This is the MLW Radio Network. When Wednesdays are just not enough, Front Row Material presents The False Finish. Welcome in, Mikey Whipwreck, and your host, Mike Freeland. Welcome to another episode of The False Finish. Hope your Friday is treating you well. I hope your week has gone well so far. You know what? I would love to say my buddy Mikey Whipwreck is joining us. Unfortunately, uh, Mr. Nonballs is uh, enjoying his birthday. And I'm not his even. Birthday? Yeah, it's his birthday. I'm not quite sure what birthday Mikey is uh, celebrating right now. Uh, is it uh, 48, 49, somewhere in that category? But I tell you what, he's our favorite male golden girl. So, uh, Mikey, happy birthday to you. And uh, you have been replaced. We have upgraded the show. We have Trent Zaberry with us here. And Trent is, he's kind of the Chris Jericho. Let's be honest here, Trent. You are kind of like Chris Jericho, wrestling and rock and roll, right? Uh, on the independent level. Let's say on the indie level, I and, and I do look, I look up to him in that sense. I do, I'm, an indi- you know, I'm in a metal band, independent metal band. Uh, and I work produced for independent wrestling, uh, you know, podcaster as well. So I am kind of like I'm the indie version of a Chris Jericho. <laughs> Let's See? Put it that way. Thank you for that compliment, though, Mike. Y- you need to have your own <laughs> cruise is what you need to have. But you, yeah, that's the next thing. But mine will be like a smaller level where it's like a slip and slide. So it's like the trends are very <laughs> slip and slide party. That's like the closest thing I get to a cruise. I can't really charter a boat. Like Chris Jericho, but I can do a slip and slide. But wait, Mike, you got me a ton of heat just now. You, oh, you, you I did. say I replaced, I'm replacing the great Mikey Whipwreck. I can't replace Mikey Whipwreck. Well, that, that's heat. Well, here, here's here's the funny thing. You don't make food super late at night, do you? You're not like I do. Uh, I you do. do. I hundred percent. I when Mikey started making chicken parm at one in the morning, I was like, holy shit, that's me. Yes. I, I, I literally did something like that last night at midnight. <laughs> oh my god, I, I didn't think that was a thing, but you know what, I'm going to have to start changing the way I see things, because it seems like it's a little bit more on the common side, so, man, <laughs> I heard him pounding the chicken, and I thought, what is he doing? Like, literally, yeah. it sounds like someone's punching a wall, and he's like, nah, I'm pounding out my chicken, so, beating his meat, beating his meat. And, beating that's, his meat, and that's what we do really well here. Did you hear, the, I don't know if you heard the story, somebody gave me some some flack for Wednesday's show. They said, man, did you uh, nick your yam bag? And for a hot second here, I'm thinking, what exactly is my yam bag? And then I finally realized, <laughs> yes, that's the crown jewels. I did. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Is the, was the yam bag okay, or did you nick the yam bag? I nicked the yam bag. I, it's I, like a murder scene. It, after it, that oh, happened. my God. It, it, and I even used this description. I was like, it was my, my crotch was wooing like Ric Flair because it was just, it was a crimson, it was a crimson mask. Right. Oh man! Your your crotch was flare, and 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 the razor was uh the razor was Harley Race, and he that's just right. Cage Starkid eighty three, and you didn't stand a chance. No, not not <laughs> at all. Oh my god! But uh, man, it's good to have you on here. You and I have been talking Thanks, about collabing and doing some yeah. work together here. So let's kind of let's kind of start off here with since we were talking about the band stuff, let's let's stick with that right now. So Hemi is a metal band. I have. Oh actually started to get into to metal music. So how did the whole uh, process of starting a metal band start with you? Because I know a lot of wrestling fans are actually metal fans as well, so it's kind of cool yeah. that you have that kind of crossover. So tell me how the whole Hemi thing came about. So uh, 2003, the band started officially, but we the first lineup was friends from high school. So we go back to high school. 
Uh, currently, only me and the drummer are the only two original members from the first lineup still left. But literally, it was like, and this is funny, it has a slight wrestling tie-in. I'm going to just, just tie this in. I loved wrestling, obviously, at this point, too. And I had a buddy who was like, you should go train. And this is also, again, 2001 to, again, I'm only 5'8". Not even like five, seven and a half. So <laughs> it wasn't like size like that size at the time was still was still like a land of the giants type. But those the smaller guys were just starting to creep in. So like it wasn't like he was like, ah, oh, you're too short, though. You're too short. I'm like, no, nah, let's let's go check out a school. So we went to there was two schools in Chicago that I knew of, at least Steel Domain, where Colt and Punk and Jay Bradley and all those guys trained with Danny right. Dominion and Ace Steel, like the great Ace Steel. Um, Steel Domain was on one side of town. And then closer to my house was, I forgot the name of it, it was the PCW school. PCW was Pro Championship Wrestling in Chicago. Uh, not the greatest promotion. They were always good. They were always known to bring in stars. Jerry actually, first time I met Jerry was at a PCW show. Nice. Um, but their facility was real real broken down, like kind of not impressive. And I, that was my first impression of like, oh, man, this is it, it was kind of depressing. To be honest, I, I walked into it and I was like, Yikes, this is kind of depressing. Like the talent there and all. I was like, I don't know. So I started a band instead with my buddies from high school. And that's how that happened. It literally was like my two paths. And there are it, there are two paths you can go by, as Led Zeppelin says. And uh, it, if I had I gone to the Steel Domain to check that school out, it could have been a whole different story for me. Uh, but I went to the other one. And then because of that path, I ended up doing a band. And here we are, you know, 17 years later, Hemi's uh you know, he's done great, man. You know, as an independent band, um, you know, five records out uh, worldwide, tw- radio play in 22 countries, video play in 11 countries, uh, merchandise and, you know, merchandise distribution in seven countries. Um, you know, we've toured forever all on our own. No, no label. We've done a lot, everything on our own. So it's been it's been a hell of a um, it's the DIY movement, as you know, Mike, the DIY is like what it is. And that's we've been DIY since day one. So tell me a little bit about, you know, much like any entrepreneur in, in starting the band and everything, you got to wear a lot of different hats. And I'm sure yeah. that a lot of you guys have to, you know, allocate your time to doing different things that is the business side, you know, not only the entertainment side and the performance side. So what's that like? Do you guys all divvy up the responsibilities of making bookings or wardrobe or ticket sales, all that kind of stuff. Tell me a little bit about how that works when you guys are trying to go ahead and book a show. So that, um, it's not too hard, actually. Like, we we get dates, we'll contact venues or, you know, or whatever, like, booking agency we're talking with, get dates back. And I got to say, this lineup I have now is the easiest lineup I've ever had because anybody knows, any artist I've been through every level of drama you can imagine with band members, like previous members fighting, arguing, uh, just just all sorts of shit. Like we've been through every you, I've dealt with every personality you can deal with. Finally, the four of us now are like the easiest laid back dudes. And I'm like, I'll just send out dates. I'm like, hey, guys, what dates can we do shows? Boom, boom, boom. Done. OK, cool. Booked. Like it's a it's a ten minute process with this lineup. Wow. Merchandise ten minute process. Like every all of our agreements were completely fair. We vote on everything. Songs are are adjusted to whose whose um, skill level is like you know obviously making the suggestion. Like we just we just kind of contour it to everybody's strength. It's like 
my guitarist is a music theory major. So like when he's telling me like, hey, you know, you should hit this note instead and do it this way on the bass. I'm gonna listen to him because he's a music theory major. Right. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna learn how to play you know with off off sound. Um, but when it comes to like merchandising, he's gonna listen to me because I know how to get it done for that. Things like that. So we have such a fairness and a brotherhood in the band that it just works. It works so easy now, and it. I wish I had that 17 years ago, but <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, go. Yeah, it makes it tougher, I guess. With a really cool name like Hemi. And like and you yeah. know this, it's one of those things where when you're marketing a product or a band or anything like that, it's it, a name is a big thing. I think the name Hemi it stands out, it's bold, it's easy to remember. How did you guys decide on the name Hemi? And uh it just seems like the way you guys have the letters curvatured out, it just it looks really cool as well. So how did the whole name kind of come about? So here, okay, and I got a funny twist of this when it comes to the name and other people using the name. This is this is where we're gonna strap in for this. <laughs> so, so name the name came out because our original basis his idea was the band was a big car guy, and he's like we should call it Hemi. So not thinking anything of it, we're like cool. And then we all have these gimmicky names that are all form based around cars initially and stuff. So car theme initially, but then we won't kept the name. And then we start. Then I remember early on we got contacted by people who were like, oh you guys are back together. We're like, uh, no, we just started. We're, we're a new band. They're like, oh, you're not the, the Hemi from Seattle? Or like, no. And I'm like, shit. So, there, so we looked into it. There was a Hemi from Seattle. Okay. In the like local band in Seattle named Hemi. I actually talked to the bassist. I found, I contacted. I go, hey man, like no hard feelings. I like, we didn't know you guys existed because they weren't, they weren't signed. They put out like an EP. And the guy's like, nah, dude, take it. We didn't really do anything. It was back in the 90s. We put out one release. It's fine. Like whatever. He gave us, the, like, it was cool. Like, they really didn't even do anything. It was just, like, such an independent thing. And then the, all the all the other Hemi started popping up because apparently some people like to name their kids Hemi now. No, my so, like, God. So, of, of the odds of my life, Mike, what happens is some guy whose name is Hemi, <laughs> it becomes a DJ. Right. And starts releasing material. And DJ material, you can, put, you can pump out faster. It's computerized, digitalized, you know. And his name is Hemi. And he starts pumping this shit out. And I start seeing on my catalogs that's like, what's all this rap and hip-hop and D- and techno in my cat? What the hell is all this on Spotify? I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, who the fuck is this, Hemi? So <laughs> back and forth arguing. Like, I, I go to, like, our distributor. Like, I'm – it's always me separating the catalogs and getting all the cleanup done. And I'm like, for years now. And I'm like, where the fuck is this other guy? Like, why doesn't he ever contact the labels and be like – Hey, I need my stuff separated. I'm not the same Hemi. We're in we're in the rap category. They're in the metal category. Right. And I, and then we had the name first. I do have a cease and desist that went out regarding that because I was like, hey, we we did trademark it, um, on a we did it on a local in uh, for Illinois. They trademarked it in Illinois, not nationwide. Obviously, more expensive. Um, but apparently, we can all co- we have to coexist under that as there's a there's a right of art. Where I can't stop him because it's his actual fucking name. So I can't stop him from releasing stuff under Hemi. Well, it, it, it <laughs> almost sounds like the whole Ultimate Warrior situation. You remember that? Absolutely. Where, yep. you know, he wanted to stop Vince, you know, from obviously using the name Ultimate Warrior for intellectual property reasons. So he actually legally changed his name. However, unfortunately, no matter what you call yourself, you know, you can't really necessarily stop that. But wow, there, there is. Well, it, it sounds like there's so many things that go on that 
are not even about performing or getting ready. It's just the legalities and the business side. Yeah. I mean, independent. We're not even a majorly signed man, but I, I worked through things. I got our catalogs nicely cleaned up, separated. It's like one area where I still need to get it done. But it's funny because I'm always the one contacting all of the, the digital sites. And and I'm like, hey, Hemi, other Hemi B, where the <laughs> fuck are you to do all the work? Why am I the one always contacting like Spotify and making sure our catalogs are separate or Apple? I'm like, why is it always me doing all the work? What, what, didn't you ever want to like reach out? I'm like, hey, guys. Can you separate me off? It's always me sending, doing all your work for you. Right. So I'm like, what a prick. What a prick. <laughs> hey, at the end of the day, when you're responsible, you get all the, the stuff dumped on you. You know what I mean? They, they probably thought, this, this guy's got his stuff together. Let's let him continue to do it. Yeah. I've been doing it. But anyway, yeah, we, we, tried, we tried getting him to stop, and then we found his real name is Hemi. So I'm like, dude, I can't stop you. Um, then at one point, uh, my guitarist was like, we should, we should collab with him. That'd be kind of interesting. I'm like, set it up. You actually want to collab with them? This could this could just blow up the internet at this point. <laughs> so like, go ahead and contact them. So who knows? Maybe we'll do like some kind of collaboration at some point and just completely jack the catalogs all together. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that it's definitely different because you're two different genres of music as well. So it's Completely. it's it's one of those things where you're trying to build up a base, a listener base, and get your yeah. product out there. And all of a sudden, they're being bombarded by something else that's called the same thing. But yet when they go to listen to it, they're like, wait a minute, what is this? This is not what I thought I was expecting. So right. I can see the absolute level of frustration. Wow. So we got it taken care of. Like the, obviously, like, But there's the thing. A lot of independent artists, not just bands, but wrestlers, um, actors, you name it. You have to be really conscious of your online presence. I'm so conscious. I, I go to all these, like anywhere we're listed, I make sure the logos are current, listings are current contact info, release info, discography, whatever, whatever. You have to be on top of that stuff because no one else is going to do it. You have to, unless you're signed, no one's doing it. So I'm like, I'm going to make mine so undeniably perfect that there's going to be no question when somebody wants to find me online. Uh, and I see so many of our peers, our independent bands that we were, we tour with and play, they don't do any of that shit, any of it. Like, I'm like, guys, you need to be on top of this shit. Like, this is how you get noticed. And our success, I think, has come from stuff like that. You know, we worked with Impact Wrestling. We get two songs on Impact pay-per-views, on Impact TV. And a part of that credibility is when they come and they look you up. They look up your website. They look up your list. They're like, these guys are legit. You know, they're a distributed band. I can Google them. All their shit comes up. Their lyrics come up. This and that and the other thing. Their trademarks. You name it. Any, I don't care who you are. If you're any type of artist podcaster even you got to do it you have to be conscious of that stuff you have to be no i agree with you completely so let me ask you this in this day and age with social media facebook twitter instagram um <laughs> i'm not rattling a ton off because i'm not that i'm not that savvy I, there used to be vine i guess at one point but vine's gone i miss vine i was a i loved vine. people way, loved you it. do have you have an instagram and do you barely I? use it you have a personal one, and your show has one. I know. And and you need to at least post something once a month. At, I know. At, at the very least. No, you're right. You're right. I need to, <laughs> I need to, I need to get back on this. Uh, need to get back on the whole social media stuff. But let me ask you this: Is it something where, obviously, it, it sounds like a miss, uh, an obvious thing here? But would you want to be signed, or do you think that from a business standpoint, you guys are able to keep more of the revenue and the profits if you stay? 
independent and you guys do your own dealings. Is there kind of this happy medium between the two or is it like, no, no way. If we get signed, that's the, the bread and butter. That's the goal. I think at this stage of my life, I think I would like to get signed. And only be, and, I, and again, I can relate it back to wrestling. I can see why so many of my friends who I worked with at AAW, why they take one contract over another. If you just basically knowing how certain things work, you can understand why. And I, the goal is to, you have to level up. I mean, I could, I've been independent for 17 years. I'm thinking the next level up is to get signed because then it's like, here's so-and-so record label. We're going to take you from here to here now and get your music to even more people. And it's like, We've done it nearly as much as we can. Somebody else has to level it, you know, higher for us at this point. And it's, it's a natural evolution in, again, in art. If you are doing it to be heard and to be seen, it's, it's signing. It, it, is, it is only, and you're doing it, signing a contract. It really is for like, you're utilizing the promotional power of an entity larger than you in order to get your work seen by more eyes and at the end of the day as an artist your, your goal is to be seen when was the first time that you guys realized whether you were out in chicago or you were somewhere else maybe not necessarily even performing or touring when someone recognized you guys and that that kind of that whoa whoa we, we you know we're starting to have this reach yeah the best story ever for you mike this is this is this is where i knew i could retire on this <laughs> So I was at Bed Bath and Beyond. Okay, but, <laughs> I'm sorry. I love Bed I, Bath and Beyond. I was at Bed Bath and Beyond, <laughs> and I'm picking out hand towels. Okay, which for one thing is already odd because I like you know I'm why am I picking out hand towels at Bed Bath and Beyond? But I'm at Bed Bath and Beyond. I'm like comparing hand towels. Right. And I'm like, huh, this one has a nice uh, microfiber, <laughs> whatever. And this one has a nice thread count. Like, what am I doing? But I'm in the and it's just this beautiful girl, gorgeous, comes up. She's like, um, "Excuse me, I'm sorry to bother you." And I'm thinking she maybe works there, or maybe she wants to help. She goes, "Right, are you are you Trent from? Are you in Hemi? Are you in Hemi? You guys play the we played we recently played this big venue here called the Double Door." She goes, Did "You guys play the Double Door like a month ago?" I'm like, <laughs> "Yes, I am. <laughs> Where should I sign?" <laughs> You know, it was just wow. like, gosh, great. Oh, my God. And I'm like, I've peaked. Yes. I got recognized at Bed Bath & Beyond. That's I huge. <laughs> That's huge because that is so out of the genre of what the shoppers would be. You were recognized. There. That's awesome. Bed Bath & Beyond. You're over. So I, I walked out feeling like a million bucks. I even had that 20% coupon they send everybody <laughs> like, like five times a month. I said I got 20% off of this purchase. I got recognized by some hot chick. So, you know, got an audit, got a got a phone number, and hey, had a great time. Wow, it <laughs> doesn't get better. It doesn't get better than that. <laughs> wow, it was cool. It was it was a cool experience. Yes, I still use that as my topper as the first time we uh we got re- I got recognized. But dude, there's it, there's been wild stories. I mean, like, I mean, obviously we're not Motley Crue, but man, I, I could see, especially and you know, and some guys, if you're in a band, you're listening to this, the early. The 2010s, the aughts, I guess there are. That was a great. That was still a very oddly transitional decade of like music and metal, especially because nobody knew where metal was going at the time. It was new metal and all this like wacky subgenre stuff going on, and there was so many different bands popping up and everybody. MySpace was huge, and you were getting huge followers through MySpace, and uh, 
it was so crazy. Uh, like we just had so, I mean, we, there would be fights, you know, like egos were wild in this time too. Cause everybody wanted to be like the head of their subgenre that they're doing. Right. Oh my God. Like we'd be, I mean, we were at shows where we got into like full on fist fights with other bands, you know, people antagonizing each other from stage, you know, people, we had, we had a guy one time we're playing a show and this guy was antagonizing my guitarist all night, just making side comments, side comments. And it was a battle of bands. I'll never forget this. And this guy was on stage singing, looking right at my guitar player, antagonizing. You could tell he's just trying to mess with him. And at one point, he stage dives. But he stage dives right into my guitar player, purposely, just cannonballs into him like a senton. You know? I was going to say, it's Full not on a stage dive, dive when it's directly at one person. At one, just senton splashed him, right? And then... This was the boiling point. My guitars was like, you mother. And they just started brawling in the wow. middle of the crowd while the band played. So what? the band played on. They keep going. They keep going. It was like it was like the Titanic sinking. They're <laughs> brawling. We jump in. The other the not, and here's the funny part. Not even all the other band members jumped in. The one bass player jumps in. We start brawling with him. The drummer is still sitting at, at his drums and like still trying to beat. Like, what are you? I, I kind of get you, Glenn. So I'm like, what are you doing? You might as well just join this battle royal that's going on here. He's trying to keep the beat to the brawl, right? He's, yeah, he literally was like. <laughs> like, what are you doing? That's we just, awesome. So we're just having like full on Royal Rumble in the middle of the show. Security. It was wild. And like, we're just like, you know, we'll take it outside. Funny thing was they, they left. They like just took off. Okay. The other guys like they, they took off. We actually stayed and to get. I'm like, hey, wait, we're still getting paid for this. I'm not fucking going anywhere. Right. So like, like get the. I'm like, I want my money for the show. So we like, <laughs> we stuck around and got paid, and then and then we left. But that wild is time. insane. The, oh the, my the 2010s were uh, were uh, are they oh no oh the zero the odd. I don't what the hell do you call those first. I don't years? even. I would I would say odds? the odds. I think it is the odds. Yeah. You're right. So, okay, so let me throw this out here. See, <laughs> I've just recently gotten into to the metal stuff, and a good, good friend of mine who I've known for, for quite some time now, he was in a band, and it was called Winterhem. And then Winterhem then turned into Siege Lord, which is what they're known as today. Okay. And I've, I've gone to a couple of their shows, and the, um, I guess the mosh pits or the... The shoving, the pushing, and all that kind of stuff. All right, so yeah. here, so here's here's my dumpy ass. Okay, so I'm in the back, like <laughs> in the audience area, with at the merch table because I'll volunteer and help out at the merch table, and I'm like, man, I'd really like to get some some images for these guys. I'll go down and I'll take my cell phone camera. I'll, I'll snap some pics. Yeah. Well, I'm not used to the environment. Okay, I'm a I'm a Chicago queen. I'm like all that kind of stuff. Classic rock. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, one of the guys, all of a sudden I'm taking pictures and whatnot and they're starting to, to shove each other around and starting to get a little violent. This arm grabs me and yanks me backwards and says, you don't belong down here. And I was wow. like, Oh, I'm cool. Hey, thanks for saving me. I'm going back to the merch table. But, um, but it, it definitely can get ruckus. People are very passionate about their music and they love it. Yeah. So but there's an ego. There's an ego. Metal has always had an odd ego within the fan community and the band community. And I remember we came to a point where we're like, 
okay, like every metal band, no, like no metal band ever smiles in photos, right? That's like their thing. They don't smile. <laughs> like you just don't smile. Like you're a metal band. You're not supposed to smile. But then I remember we used to always like do the mean mug thing. And like, then we came to a point a couple of years ago where like, that's not us. We're like a bunch of nice, like happy dudes. Right. So why the hell, are we, like, why are we going to have this, this false ego? Like we're too tough for, for our own good. We're like, just, we just be ourselves. I swear to you, people started taking to us more. We just started being like goofy, like ourselves. And people are like, oh, I can relate to them now. They seem like nice guys. <laughs> so we just did that. And, and, We've met other bands who are similar to that, and we would tour with them and stuff. So it's, uh, it, I mean, I don't know. I, I, if any, my advice to anyone, obviously, like you try to fit a character, but I really do think it's like it really your best character is yourself, because people want to relate to you as an artist. They want to be able to relate to this guy and relate, and then in you know in in turn relate to your art at the same time. Right. No. 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 I'm with you. How do you come up with the concept of a persona on stage as well? Meaning you have a certain style of music, and how do you come up with that? Meaning, you know, there's different metal bands, especially the one that I know in particular. You know, they'll have the full-on costumes. Do you necessarily feel like that is a must-do, or do you think, you know what, just wearing our own merch is is just fine? Gimmicks are good because people remember them, and and I'll always give them that. We never did it. We never did the costumes. We were always like classic thrashy Metallica style where you just kind of wear you wear what you wear. You know, you're like the you're like the working man style of of metal. Uh, so you kind of just wear what you wear. on stage. I, you know, we always add little hints in here and there. But thrash metal was always like the dudes can you can just come off stage the way you are. Go nice. on stage and off stage the way you are. Um, no, no big. Obviously, you add little accents to things, things like that. And but. Yeah, I don't know. We well, we never and I know, and then this year before things started shutting down, I started like experimenting more with like the look and the gimmick, kind of like having a uniformed look every show and just tweaking something to it. Like I, I love um, like I love when wrestlers do that. I, I'm a big fan of when when every let's say like set of tapings or set or every paper you guys up there upgrade their gear. So like for the for like by season in a way, right? So I remember like uh, taking. Because I follow Impact really close, I'm gonna use that as an example. Uh, I went to Hard to Kill in January in, in Dallas, and and I knew this back in Bound for Glory, every every pay per view, but the whole roster, every pay per view, the roster will get upgraded gear for Impact. They'll all just get fresh gear for like pay per view, but then that kicks off like the gear of that season, and then when they all got to Rebellion in April, it was like all new gear, and it's like here's the Rebellion wow. this season, and here's the gear and the colors we're going with. And now they're going to Slammiversary, and like they're all going to get fresh gear for that. And it's like you take new promos, you upgrade your look, and you know, it, it's just really cool. Like I like that idea, and I'm like, cool. I kind of want to follow that for the band too. It's like every show should have a similar like baseline, and then you just tweak, you freshen up the gear with like the, within the same style that you're already in. So, so you keep your keep the character integrity, but at the same time you upgrade the visual of it. So yeah, wow. Would uh, what advice would the uh, would the Trent of 17 years ago, or I mean, I should say the Trent of now, give the Trent of 17 years ago if there was something that you could say, hey, there's this one aspect that you need to make sure that you know, or maybe there's more than one, but what would you say you would give the advice to the 17, uh, the Trent from 17 years ago? Don't marry that bitch. I mean, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, 
<laughs> oh yeah. Oh, musically, music, life advice. I would sit this motherfucker down <laughs> on a good day and be like, "Listen, man, we got we got a lot of shit to talk about. You you're gonna make a lot of mistakes, and you need to really know." Like, I often I often dream of the day, Mike, that I can get a DeLorean and like do this for real, and like and save myself a lot of trouble. But uh, but until Doc Brown actually invents a DeLorean, I don't know if that's gonna happen. But anyway, <laughs> um, if I if I could sit down musically if I could tell them, uh, absolutely do not hesitate and on anything you're doing. Like, push the, push the envelope. Don't hesitate in putting material out. Don't hesitate in putting – and not that we ever did, but, like, don't waste time is what I'm saying. Like, don't get too fixated on perfecting something to the point where, like, you beat it up so much that, like, it, it, you're years in and you still haven't done it. Uh, don't waste time with people with bad, bad members, members who aren't there. Like, you know, you, you will know, like, it's like a coach who knows if like, ah, that guy's dead weight, but I like him and he's my friend. So I'm not going to cut him, but it's like, you know what? You have to cut him. It sucks, but you have to, you have to, if you're trying to go, you can't go, you can't grow with somebody like weighing you down. And I've had members who I knew were dead weight. And but we were friends. And I'm like, eh, I can't really have that talk and cut them. I have to see it through and see what happens. But it's like, be honest to yourself. Be completely honest. It's like you know, so and so wasn't a good fit. You could have saved yourself three years with that one. Things like that, you know. So I, I, I honestly, and I try to do that. any bands. If I mentor anybody or like friends of mine are getting into it and or they're new or they don't know what to do, I, I, I fully sit them down and I completely advise them these same things. And I'm like, guys. I might not be a millionaire from this, but I've been doing this nearly 20 years. I have something to say, whether you listen to me or not. Not a story, but at least I've been up and down the road, and I can at least lend lend that advice. Been there, done that. Yeah, for sure, man. Wow. So the music thing is going well. Um, how did the whole wrestling thing? I know originally you had talked about, you know, you'd gone to a wrestling school and you were thinking about training and whatnot, and then that kind of bled into. The music aspect of it, but were you always into wrestling, or was that something that you just kind of, you know, got into later on as you were getting older? Or so I my my wrestling journey, I guess you could call it, is, is odd because obviously I grew, so I'm, I'm 38 now, born in 81. So just to give you context, and 81 same, baby, right here, 81. Yep, all right, you got it. Uh, so we you know we grew up in the golden era of all you know WCW, NWA, WWF. Uh, all ECW, like I was, I went through all, but here, so I saw it growing up. Like, obviously, you can't miss it. You know, you watch superstars, WWF Saturday mornings, WCW Saturday nights. Like, I saw it in passing. Like, I knew who Sting was, you know, who Ric Flair was, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, like the big names, but I was never like a dedicated watcher. Cousins were, friends were. Um, but I remember the day, like, I got hooked, hooked was I, I walked into school seventh grade the day after the Royal Rumble 94. And all the boys were arguing about, no, Lex went over first. No, Brett went over. No, it was <laughs> Brett. It was Lex. And I'm like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? I didn't know these names. You know, I'm like, eh, kind of in passing, really know. And then one guy turns to me. He's like, who do you think won the Royal Rumble? I was like, uh, you know, I don't know. Man. Who do you think? He's like, Brett, man. Brett totally hit second. I'm like, me too. Yeah. He totally won, you know. Then I'm like, I gotta figure out what the fuck these guys are talking about. So it's obvious it's a Monday. Uh, we didn't even have cable, 
I had to like ask a friend. So I went over to a friend's house that night to watch it, and he didn't even watch wrestling. And I'm like, can I watch this at your house? <laughs> can I, I just come it? to your house watch TV? Yeah. Got hooked. I was like, oh, man, this is cool. Because it was a fallout of the Royal Rumble. Right. Then I'm like, the next week, I'm like, Mom, we need to get cable. So we got cable as a result of this. Um, and that was it, 1994. And then you're, you're into, like, Mania season. So I got in Mania 10 season. I got in with that. Started, got to watch Mania 10. Got hooked. Brett and Owen was, like, cha- life-changing match. I'm like, what the fuck? And the whole story, the whole heel turn, Owen, everything, like, just blew my mind. And then... Uh, obviously, you knew Hulk Hogan. I knew Hulk. I, I loved Hulk because uh, he would do all these little side things. Like as when I, even though I wasn't watching 100% dedicatedly, whatever I did watch of Hulk, I knew, and he would do all the little after-school specials, things like that. And then the buzz of Hulk Hogan signing with WCW happened that summer. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "What the fuck is W like WCW?" Then I'm like, "I'm watching WCW, and I'm hooked on WCW, and I'm watching both." And I'm going bananas. And then ECW comes in. Then I'm in high school. And then it's like backyarding. And that's it. Ever since Rumble 94, it's been it's completely ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> you have hit the ground running, my friend. And it all started with who hit first. Wow. Brett. That's why I, and I remember telling Brett when I met Brett, because um, I went to the SummerSlam that year, too, in 94, um, him and Owen in the cage. I remember telling Brett. I go, uh, I told him the story. I said, you know, I said, you were the first guy, like, really hooked, like, you were, like, my first, like, hero, you know, that I, like, really got into. And, uh, and I was talking about the match with Owen and everything, and I had a pair of the, the Brett glasses. And yes. They're on my wall behind here. And I bought them at SummerSlam 94. It was the coolest thing ever. And I, this is, I'm, I'm 35 at this point. <laughs> grown man. And I meet, and I bring the glasses to, the, to, to him. I go, I go, I bought these in 94. I saw you and Owen. I told him this really cool story about when I met Owen, or not met Owen, but I had interaction with Owen at a house show. He loved hearing the story, and he was so happy. He's like, give me those glasses. And he signs them, and then in the corner he puts SummerSlam 94, and he looks at me, and he just kind of gives like that wink, like, you know. And he's like, as far as I'm concerned, you got him signed in 94. Wow. And I was like, holy shit. And he gave me that, like, that hero's, like, wing, like, you got it. Got a bug, you know, and it's awesome. And he's like, just marked at SummerSlam '94. I was like, holy shit! And you know, a 35 year old man completely geeked out. Me and my childhood here, I'm like, why the fuck? Yes, <laughs> so, um, that was it. So, yeah, it's been a trajectory since, man. And I'm a, I was a big WCW guy, ECW guy. I, I that was more my thing. And obviously, when when they went away, and then uh, I kind of died off like I that year, I was like, 2001 was a very grim year, yes, it was for wrestling. And when TNA came around, and that's it. I've been TNA Impact loyalist ever since, you know, since the beginning. Day one, show one. Uh, and I've been, that's it. That's, that restored my love of it. And then getting into working with it, that's a whole other story. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Would you say, you know, your your love for the music industry and, you know, metal and all that also kind of coincided with, you know, ECW being a different alternative brand, it just kind of seemed a little cooler. Does that make sense? Absolutely, dude. It was – ECW was like you were cool if you had that ECFNW shirt. Like yes. you were on the cusp of like a whole other level. Like the NWO was cool. Like we all bought the NWO shirts. We were like rocking those shirts. Like it was like a gang mentality. Coolest <laughs> kids. But man – when the ECW, when ECW started really coming, we started getting it syndicated here in Chicago, like two in the morning. But it was like, 
what the f- this is the heavy metal of wrestling it is yes it, you know and it was like we we're all metal metal heads in high school all headbangers you know and like this is like our version of wrestling so on a mainstream level every monday night we watch wcw because the nwo was cool but man that underground like you know you're on the cusp of this cool shit and i i remember barely legal 97 when that happened it was like a victory for all of us because i got into ecw 95 i want to say when sabu was really starting to make headlines and i'm like whoa he's you know he looks like me he's a brown dude with long hair you know and they say he was from bombay india i'm like cool i'm pakistani but like he's from india i'm like we're neighbors he's one of mine you know and like i started relating to sabu i'm like this guy's fucking nuts and then, <laughs> and then i really got into sabu and then ecw like so i find out where to watch it and then um and then you yeah, had the whole sabu fears taz and then that's a lead to barely legal 97 it was like, shit, just fuck, like, that was it. But, I, but my favorite part of that is, um, I remember after Bailey Legal, like, a bunch of us went to this, like, mall out here called Gurney Mills. It's this huge mall in Chicago, like, the border of uh, Illinois and Wisconsin. And we're all walking through the mall, and this one record store had ECFNW t-shirts, like, it just in the window. I'm like, wow, that's odd that it was displayed. Right. Like, so odd. Like, random for 1997 for them to have ECFNW shirts displayed like nobody it was so underground so in, in a way and i remember we all saw like holy shit because you couldn't get we're in chicago like that was such a philly thing like you could barely get it out here we all went in and we cleaned them the fuck out we bought nice. every shirt and we're like we're, we all got a shirt uh and i still have that shirt to this day and i because of quarantine and losing some weight i fit right back into that shirt during Dude. quarantine it's great that is awesome. Isn't it cool when you find something like it's almost like a wrestling gem? You're like, wait, what? Yeah. That's here? And then instantly, like, it feels like your credit card just starts to inch its way out of your ass, and it's like, I've got to buy this. Got it. I had to do it, man. There, wow. there were cer- certain things, you, you just, you, pivotal moments. But but the thing was, like, and anybody our age listening to this who was around during the ECW rise, wearing that shirt to school and all the other kids go, where did you find that? Because yes. you couldn't get it. No. You know, like, where are you going to get it? We're, and then the f- six of us had them, and they were like, where the fuck did you guys get that? We're like, uh, what's up? You know? So it was it was super cool to, to be on that, like, that inside of, of wrestling. Now we're like the edgy kids, you know? So that was a whole other level of stuff. It's like you're wearing your colors, you know what I mean? Because like the NWO, you know, there were there was a group of people who had that, and that was a faction. But the ECW people, you were kind of like, oh, you are hardcore, and like we would chant that in the hallway sometimes because it was Absolutely. cool. Um, yeah. I remember telling Mikey that uh, Jerry had mentioned he was on the road one time, and and I guess it was like two o'clock in the morning, and. Uh, the guys, they watch wrestling, you know, the other shows. And he said he came across ECW and he said, I will never work for that company. And I told yeah. him this past uh, Wednesday, I said, would you have ever imagined that the one company you said you would absolutely never work for would be the company that you would have so many iconic moments? And he said, you, you just never know. You never know when a big never moment know. is going to come. But I really think that it was Fight Club. It was like Fight Club before Fight Club, like the, yeah. the movie. It was just this anything goes, beer drinking, crazy rowdiness. Um, had you ever gotten a chance to go to the ECW arena or? Not during ECW. Okay. I went I went for Impact uh, nice. last year. So I got to go finally to the building. It's different. I got to ECW in Chicago at the Aragon Ballroom in 1998. 
eight, I want to say. Okay. Uh, they did three shows from here. Living, I missed the pay per views. I went for a house show, um, and it was just you know life changing shit, man. It, it was just so different. It was like, well, where the fuck? Like what? Like the, where? What is this subgenre? You know? And it was so wild. Um, but yeah, I it just I never got to go to the arena during the heyday. Just I wasn't conscious. Like if I'm Constantly thinking about road tripping to Philly at the time. And I should have, you know, like I know Danny Daniels, who you had on, you know, my, my good friend, you know, he was doing all he would, him and his buddies would drive miles and thousand miles to go to like pay-per-views and they just get in the car. And I just, we never thought about it. I don't know why we were just too busy, you know, girls and partying here and stuff like that. But never thought about road tripping to a pay-per-view. <laughs> well, like that. and there's different things that are happening in your life at different times, but yeah, and, yeah. and I totally get that. It's, I would say the places, the if we want to talk about the holy land of pro wrestling, I would want to say I would would have, if I could go back in my DeLorean, the Hammerstein Ballroom when uh-huh. ECW is running it. I would want to go to the ECW Arena. Um, I would definitely want to go to Madison Square Garden. I think yep. that would be amazing. And I'm trying to think of what would another iconic wrestling place be if you could – go to are there many would you say i think there's very few relics when it comes to that i would say personally in the greensboro coliseum okay in, uh, greensboro for if you're an nwa wcw guy like i was uh greensboro coliseum would be amazing mid-south coliseum yeah which is that's true i am a huge memphis wrestling guy i it's closed i got to go to the building and just see i took a picture in front of it and it to think that every Monday this independent local promotion would draw thousands of people for like a low, for a house show and then do studio TV that weekend. I'm like, this it's is insane. mind blowing. Yeah. And Mid South Coliseum's like historic. And Elvis played there, like you name it. The greats played there. It's it's such a time capsule. You, I peek my head into it and you are the window and just you, it looks like it's stuck in time and it's so cool and it's just still sitting there. I'm like, how is this not functional? But uh, Mid-South Coliseum. I think the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago, which is now known as the Allstate Arena, is home to a lot of iconic moments and more in the modern era. But even in the, it's been around a long time, had a lot more iconic moments in the modern era, I would say. Um, I was at I, WrestleMania 22 there. Yeah, there you go. There you yes. go. So there's, there's quite a bit of moments that happened there. And then the um, the Olympic Auditorium, you know, I'd say in L.A., which I don't know if it's still around or not, but the Olympic this would be a classic one. and I mean, Cleveland's got, what, the Gund Arena? Is that still around? It is still around. I'm not sure if it's still referred to as that or if it's change ownership as far as licensing names. But, yes, Cleveland definitely has had many, many memorable wrestling moments. Um, yeah. It's, a, it's like it's like a, some corporate name now, like the Tampax Tampon <laughs> Arena or something now. <laughs> um. What was the other? Oh, I knew what I was going to think about the Sportatorium. I, I wish Sportatorium. I could have gone back That's in time and, and seen that with the Von Erichs and oh experienced God. that because from everything that I've heard from different people, they were saying when the Von Erichs would come down, it was almost like, keep in mind, like the Beatles. I'm probably not, but you get the gist of it. You know, just the pandemonium, the girls, all that kind of stuff. But man, there is I, so uh, many. I went to the land that it's on. Uh, that it was on, and like the part of the floor is still in there. Like the grass is overgrown, but you can still see part of the floor. It's still on that land. I'm like, this is crazy. This was this was the spot, you know, and it was pretty wacky. Uh, but man, they're they're legends in tech. If you watch the Heroes of World Class documentary, not even the, not the one WWE put out, but the one that 
was independently produced called Heroes of World Class. I actually own that. It's excellent. Oh, that one's so good. And with that scene, there's a scene when Kevin Von Erich walks in to what was the entranceway. Do you remember this? I do. The place it's all dilapidated. He walks in for one final time, and he walks in, and they did some kind of edit. So they're shooting him from the back. Yep. And they do some kind of edit where they like pipe in what was like actual like cheers and fanfare. And he's he just gets lost in this moment. They don't pipe it in live to him, but in post post production. But he's just you can imagine how quiet it was in that moment. He just kind of stood there and like soaked it in. And it's sad. You know, Kevin's story's sad. He's lost his whole family, and he's just sitting there like, wow. Like it just it was such a uh, that scene is forever tattooed in my brain. And it's, it's so it's so like moving in a way too. I feel like for wrestling fans, there are moments that are indelibly etched in your minds. A lot like major political moments as well. You know what yeah. I mean? Like when Reagan was shot or when Kennedy was shot. There's a lot of people who are who associate years with those kind of moments. But I think for us, we associate certain years with certain moments as well so yeah i mean if someone throws out a year you can automatically remember okay that was because of this this and this or this year was this this and this was going on um well wrestling fans are funny because we're all like we're like really like big nerds in that sense we're like amen if you tell you tell me a year and i won't even talk about the political climate of the year i'll be like oh 1991 Oh, the uh, you mean the year that uh, you know Mania Seven happened, and the uh, yeah. and it was Hogan and, and Slaughter, and then uh, that Flair took on Sting at the you know, the Great American Bash. Like that's what I'll do. I'm like, okay, cool. Now I know the time frame we're in. Now yes. I can tell you about everything else. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Once you get your like, bearing straight. Yeah, it's like I'm like I'm the biggest like dork by for doing that. Biggest like Mark doing that. But I'm like, it's funny because you're just like, that's your that's your point of reference because I can easily point that one out. You know. Wow. So it's funny in that sense. No, no, you're right. You're 100% <laughs> right. 100% right. Um, I remember, you know, like we said, the summer of 94, obviously, that was Hulk Hogan. That's when he signed with WCW. I remember the steroid trial. I remember that when that was yeah. going on in 1993. You know, you know, I remember, okay, when Shawn Michaels obviously lost his smile. I associate time frames with that. So it's it's one of those things where once you find where that you like you said your your moment of reference then you can say oh okay this is what else was going on this team won the the NBA championship or this team won yeah. you know uh, the World Series or whatever but it's just wrestling just has that certain grip how would you describe wrestling fans as a genre to another genre another group of people who are so into what they are if there's one that would you you could directly say oh this is just like this group but ours is wrestling i think it's it's changed right the fan used to be more of a sport-minded fan to now what's become more the the comic-con crowd fan and they're very passionate it's like they're the it's more the artsy art kids like the kids who are into comic books tv shows movies superheroes it's the obsessiveness you have with that stuff. So like the character obsessiveness of television, movies, comics, wrestling, things like that. Before, the older style fan was more of the sport-minded fans because we looked at, you know, Kayfabe was still somewhat maintained. You thought of it as a sport. You thought you thought more in the sports mentality. You know, more, more wrestling fans then watched other sports. Nowadays, fewer wrestling fans actually watch other sports. You know, they just watch wrestling. And 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 the genre, the subgenre that wrestling's falling into now is wrestling, comic books, superheroes, TV, movies. Before it'd be like 
wrestling, boxing, because before you look, you look at like look at old classifications. It'd be wrestling, boxing, basketball, football, blah blah blah. Yep. And now wrestling's on this side. It's on the art category now. It's in the art shelf rather than the sports shelf. So I think that's the separation. So it's more that now than it. Another another way to look at it too. Um, more wrestlers a lot. Of, Back in the, and, and still now they still appear at sports cons, but the only place to meet a wrestler a lot of times was a sporting type convention or a just strictly wrestling convention, but a sports convention. Mm-hmm. Now they're at the con, they're at Wizard World. Right. Wrestlers are all at Wizard World now. You know, like it kind of tells you they know the they know the market too. They know where their fans are now. I was doing a um a documentary, so I went to school for television and film originally. So oh, I cool. yeah, so I went ahead and I invested in bought cameras and and my computer and editing software, and I was doing a bodybuilding documentary, and I got to know a guy named Greg Valentino. And I don't know if a whole lot of people are familiar with him. He was popularized when he was on a TLC documentary called The Man with the Exploding Arms. And he was kind of a guy who showed the whole, the dark side of bodybuilding, right? Okay. So I decided that, you know what? I love documentaries. I am a documentary mark. I mean, I love that stuff. So anyway, I decided... I'm graduated from school. I want to go ahead and make my first film. So I reach okay. out to him. I reach out to Lou Ferrigno. I reach out to Cedric McMillan, who's a pro um, bodybuilder. Um, I remember this guy. By the, I just Googled him. That, that, I remember seeing this guy. He's yes. crazy honest. Yeah. Yes. So I reach right. out Sorry to, to all these guys. Yeah. And so I start putting this documentary together. And so I started following these two local bodybuilders who were uh-huh. training for this upcoming show. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to cut between interviews between these these big name stars and then cut back into our story about these guys as they're kind of coming along the way, which was a okay. great dichotomy back and forth. But as it intertwines into, you know, different arenas where you can meet people, um, he was good friends with Triple H. And cool. it was okay. like, holy cow, like, what are the odds of this? You know what I mean? Right. And I end up going to the Arnold Classic which is held in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, yeah, that's right. So I went up there, and Triple H was up there, John Cena was up there, and just kind of, you know, kind of piggybacking on your statement before about how wrestling would be associated with a lot of these sporting type of conventions. The Mm -hmm. Arnold Classic was something that they were involved in from day one because Arnold obviously was good friends with Vince from the stuff he's done with WWE. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Triple H is in the family. All that kind of stuff. So that's how I kind of got introduced to meeting people. And uh, it's crazy how wrestling, I would say, late 90s, early 2000s, started to implement themselves into other forms of entertainment in other sporting areas so they could start to try to pull in their audience as well. Because, Mm -hmm. once again, Triple H was an amateur bodybuilder. John Cena, amateur bodybuilder. Guys who were actually into that sport before they went into wrestling. So it is kind of neat to be able to see that kind of that crossover back and forth, like you said before, with now they're showing up at Comic-Cons, and now they're showing up at all different types of events. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's neat how you end up kind of crossing paths with people that you wouldn't normally expect to be at a at a show. Um, it's, but, it's crazy the people you meet, man, the people you meet as a result of wrestling. Uh it 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 lends itself to a lot of a lot of different exposure. <laughs> like it, you meet people from all walks of life, rich, poor, big, small, tall, short, um, you know, uh, super edgy doctors, everything from doctors to dropouts. You know, like it's everything. 
and it's like it doesn't have any boundaries. No. These kind of these kind of sports, it doesn't have any boundaries. So you got the music thing going. Obviously, you're yeah. a wrestling fan from you know seventh grade on. All of a sudden, you're in your adulthood. You get to meet Bret Hart. Signed your your glasses, which is a fucking awesome oh, story. That's They're framed so around badass. my wall. Oh my god! <laughs> All of a sudden, how did AAW enter the fold? So this is cool. So this is my and I love AAW. You had Danny Daniels on ECW legend, owner of AAW. I love talking to that guy. I feel like need, I yes. could drink a beer and chat with him for hours. He's like He's so relaxed and chilled out and fun. So. We go out for our thing is our our crew goes out for Korean barbecue and we just sit for hours because you go out it's all you can eat Korean barbecue so we just grill and talk grill and talk. He is one of the most fascinating people you'll meet, and I love him like he's the big brother I always wanted. And um, uh, you need a part two with him by the way. He you have, Jerry's got to be on with Danny like it has to be Jerry and Danny. <laughs> I gotta get him on. I gotta get him. So on. So much history with them. There's so much history with the two of them. Um, so I. Was a I was a Danny Mark for years. I saw him at the at the I eight tournaments and IWA Mid South ECW. Like I was a Danny Mark. I'm like this guy's such a fucking weasel. You know he's like and he was like you know not too much taller than me, but he was jacked. It was just like I loved him. He was such a weaselly bastard. And I'm like I love this guy. <laughs> I'm like his first name's the same as his last name. What a fucking asshole. You know I just loved. Him. <laughs> uh, so I would see him all the time, and I was going to AAW from day one, um, early days AAW. Uh, met Jerry that I'd be, you know, Jerry, they started bringing Jerry in and that put the, start putting AW on the map. And I, and I have a funny story about the first time I met Jerry. And I'll, I'll tell it here, but one day we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to be on FRM, even if it's yes. for like 30 seconds. Cause I just want to tell Jerry, I'll, and I'll share this here. AW show, I've always, I'm a huge Jerry Mark going back to ECW. This is like, I'm on nearly 10 years of AW fandom or, uh, Jerry Lynn fandom at this point. And I go to meet Jerry and I, and I'm like, Jerry, I'm like, so nice to meet you. I'm like, yeah, I just wanted to meet you. You're one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And he just looks at me and he's like, I bet you say that to all the boys. <laughs> and I was like, what a fucking jerk. <laughs> I bet you say that to all the boys. <laughs> I'm like, what? Nice guy Jerry Lynn just dogged me in the Berwyn Eagles Club? Wow. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm like, come on, Jerry. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I was a huge AW fan. And they put out a post one time. They said, we're looking for original music for promos, things like that. So I threw my name in the hat, sent it to Mike Petkovich, who's uh, Danny's partner, co-owner of AAW, uh, another dear friend, and um, sent it to him. Never really, nothing really happened out of it. Nothing really turned, you know, we kept in touch. And I asked him, I go, hey, do you guys, uh, you guys need help with like promotion or anything? I don't see, I, I never saw AAW posters in the city because they ran out of Berwyn, Illinois mainly. And then they ran out of this place called Bourbon Street on the south, south side of the city. Right. Never really in Chicago. And I was like, Get anything like promotion? I'll throw some posters up for you, you know, if you ever need anything. So a little talk here and there. Um, started doing postering for him around the na- around just around the city. If I went anywhere, threw a poster up, uh, and then just started slowly getting in- ingrained into things. And uh, little by little, I just kind of grew. And you, know, you, you wrestling is interesting, right? You need to build trust. And maybe yes. you, tell me that, like with Mikey and Jerry, like you have to earn their trust because yes. like wrestlers, right? They have like a guard up at all times because you're always getting worked. You're always nice. getting fucked by a promoter or you're getting worked. So they always have their guard up. They're like, I don't know if I can trust this guy. So like I have to go through a lot of trust building for level one was Mike to get to Danny. Danny's 
you know, he's he's this guy who would say you're you're as carny as they come because you're old school, you know. So like his guard was up. He's like, who the fuck is this guy? So I had to really like, earn stripes with Danny. But I, once I got in, I started doing more, and he started, you know, helping with setup, and he started helping with ideas, and, and we started building this team. You know, myself, Rob Malinowski is an amazing for, uh, filmmaker. Rob came in. Uh, my buddy, you know, Basil, who's a photographer. I brought Basil in it to up the visuals of the company. You know, now we now we got people on the crew who are up. We're upgrading the crew side of things. Brian on the crew who like aesthetically started improving things. You know, Tony on the sound. Like we just start building this little little by little quality, quality, quality. I start recommending ideas, this and that. Then you kind of get in that circle of trust, and I'm like, hey, I have ideas I want to pitch. So then I, you know, you do enough, some work, and then it's like. Cool. Sit down the booking meeting, and you become part of the booking thing. And once you're on that side of things, then you become part of the management side, and then then you're in. You know, and that's like you're, it's like the mafia, man. <laughs> like you just get in, and you know, we just get. To, I get like seeing, and I I gotta say this as a writer, as a booker, as a story, as a producer, seeing a story that you came up with execute out and happen in front of a room full of crazy fans is like one of the most rewarding things ever. Ever That's awesome, so, yeah. So it's it's an amazing journey, Mike. Like I love and I miss it so much. And I, it's like I don't even miss the wrestling as much. I miss the the creative process of right. all me, Mike, Danny, Rob, Keith. You know, Doctor Keith Lipinski. A lot of people might know Doctor Keith. He's a mainstay in the, you know in wrestling for a long time. He was he was a producer for Wrestling Society X, if that rings a bell for anything. But uh, and Chikara as well. But uh, we just get in the room, we get dinner, and we just start coming up with stuff. And we're like, what if we did it? You know, did this with so and so? And then we go film vignettes and promos and blah 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 blah. And it becomes this this media house of like creativeness. And you're just like, you're so motivated at that point. I miss that feeling, that edge that we had, you know. And to see it play out at the show, we get to a show, and we're like, all right, here we go, you know. Like, well, I, I if I can use one example, and just just because it's always one I think of every time. Uh, so Hakeem Zayn, who's a wrestler, a lot of people might know, he wrestles as Rohit Raju in Impact. Um, Hakeem Zayn was a guy without character for a long time. He just he was like a great wrestler, great on the mic, but it's like, what is Hakeem Zayn? What's the character? What are you? You know, like people are like, you know, you're great at what you do, but what are you? Like you're just a dude. So I'm like, man, and I remember talking to him at Impact. Like he's like, I just need someone to take a chance on me. Give me a microphone, like something. I said, all right, we got some ideas. So I, me and Rob workshop some stuff. If anybody wants to see this, go to AW Pro on YouTube, and you see we start releasing these these series of mysterious vignettes with a guy wearing a mask, voice changer, and everything. Whole story built on that, and it was like releasing one at a time. These secret messages started coming up, and this guy was like, nobody knew who the fuck it was. They're like, who the fuck? Guesses, guesses, guess. Like who? It's got to be this guy. Got to be this guy. Got to be this guy. And these were like these were shooty heavy vignettes, and uh, and I remember that they were gonna reveal it. I'm like, this is it. We're gonna fucking we're gonna reveal it. This is the show. We're gonna do it. He was so nervous, and he was like, man, they're gonna shit on because they want Eli Drake, they want Austin Aries, they want Killer Cross, they don't want Hakeem, they don't want the Indian guy from Impact, they want that, they want Indie Darling. But that was one of the things he was attacking in the videos. Like, you you want this to be an Indie Darling, but you don't know who this is. You know, it was there's. Highly recommend it, Mike. If you haven't seen those, check those out. You'll love them. But being in the back with him, and he's nervous. And he's a veteran of 10 years, but he's, like, nervous. He's like, 
I want this to go well. I want this to have, this is a, it was a make or break and it was on me. It was on Rob. It was on him. And it was like, this has to work because we invested months into this and we pitched it to Danny. and said, let us have him. Let us do this. And he's like, and I remember Danny going to me before. He's like, if this, this is on you, if this strikes out, you gotta, you gotta pick up the pieces on it. You gotta figure this out. So we're like, shit. And he's right. I mean, this, we asked for the chance, but we had to execute it properly. We pulled it off. The crowd initially, there was that shock of like, oh, it's this guy. But then the promo that I, I said, do this in your promo. Hit him with this. Do it like this. Hit him with this. Hit these bullet points and just give me the fire. Give me all the anger you had. And by the end of it, that whole building, he had nuclear heat. Wow. Nuclear heat. And it was just great. Then we just built more. You know, then he got the heritage title. And then we got this. I mean, and we were in the middle of another, you know, we're in the middle of it still. But we got stuck by the pandemic. <laughs> but it's been a great, that was to me, I went home and I, me and Rob on the next morning, we're just talking. We're like, my God, that's better than any high. Because like we saw it from inception to execution. And it's like, we help make a guy's career. He to this day is so thankful. He puts us over in every interview he does. And I'm like, you don't have to, but he does. And you see his character change on impact now to this character. Almost. He's just blending into this kind of character. And it's like, he tells me, it's like, there's no way they would have known I could do this unless you guys took the chance on me. And now his, his career trajectory is, is in a whole different place. And it's like, if I have even a remotely small part of that, it's like, I'm so happy. It's like, that is such a satisfying feeling. You know, it's the same feeling I get when I release a record and I go to the store and it's on the shelf. It's a satisfying feeling, you know? It feels good. That's that's amazing. I mean... Sorry, for the, sorry to go on the rant. <laughs> no, no. But, but kind of tying all this together, meaning, first thing, you, you do have to go ahead and pay your dues. And whether yeah. it is starting out with putting out, you know, papering the area and whatnot... But then ingratiating yourself to people and letting them know you are genuinely serious about what you want to do. And then getting into the, no pun intended, inner circle. Um, yeah. And then being able to really express yourself from a creative standpoint like you've done with your music. I think that's amazing. And I think yeah. it just kind of proves you're where you need to be. I mean. It, 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 I think the, the it comes down to Mike. It's like you just. You. You just have to. It really is in a really basic way. You be a, you be a good person. You be a stand-up guy, and you let you make it so people, not only the people who work for you or work with you, but the people you're trying to work for, they trust you. It's building trust. Because if anyone listening to this knows and works in independent wrestling, trust is a complete. It's based on trust completely. Getting in, getting to the inner circle of wrestling, of a wrestling company, a promotion, is fully fully trust you have to be trusted by these guys to be allowed in past that curtain you know and it's awesome when you get to that point and it's very rewarding and i didn't i didn't politic like getting in doing stuff that i had done with impact things like that. i i didn't politic any of it. i i just be a stand-up guy i i just you talk, you be good to people and people take care of you it really comes down to that when well, they know also you know that you're not bullshit you know this is this is my yeah. my work that I've done before. Here are the people that I've worked with. These Absolutely. are how they feel about my work. And so, you know what? I'm going to let that stand on its own and kind of take me to where I need to go next. So in the in the next chapter here, how do we kind of, we kind of teased a little bit earlier, but how do we cross over into Impact Wrestling? 
Um, so obviously we're doing AAW stuff, which is really going well. And then all of a sudden, boom, th- there seems to be, in my opinion, a, a systematic jump, if that makes sense, because the guys that you worked with in AAW, and I said this to Danny, is one of the preeminent places to be, meaning it, it is it's the it's the destination because everyone and their brother. I mean, I think he was telling me that there's something like sixty or seventy people who are on main rosters now between mm-hmm. the all the major companies now. So, yep, was that something that kind of opened the door for working with Impact as well, or was that more on the music side, or how was it a combination of both, or? Combination of both because I I've tried to get my music on Impact since since early days, uh, never could get through to anybody. I know Serge Salinas, which was Dixie's husband, did a lot of stuff for a long time. He he, he was doing it with um I forget the gentleman's name now who was doing a lot of music at Impact. Oh, it's slipping my mind. He was there for a long time. Dale Johnson Dale Johnson was doing a lot of stuff for um for Impact Music. Actually, I could never break through with them. I have been trying, and I remember last year, January of last year, I told the guys, I'm like, guys. This is gonna be the year. This is the year I get my music on Impact TV. This has to be the year, and I just and Alex, I'm, I'm a huge Impact Mark. I've been since day one. It's like my. It's the one company I can still be a fan of. I still watch it as a fan, and I'm like, cool. Even though I know half the guys work at AAW, but it's like that credibility was there. They know me. I still watch Impact like a fan because I do the podcast Total Nonstop Impact. I still like watching it as a fan. Um, I contacted Kevin Sullivan who uh, was now the producer of a- AEW, but he was an Impact producer for a long time. And I just, I, I contacted him on his personal website. I said, hey, man, so I'm trying to do. I uh, just wonder if I can send you something, you know, send you some music. If you see fit to use it, please let me know. And he came back to me. He's like, the song's perfect. Actually, no, it worked out even differently because he's like, yeah, cool. Send it over to me. And then um, like a month later, I remember a bunch of our fans Started tagging Killer Cross in this song called we have, we have a song called Death Wizard and I'm like man that really would be perfect for Killer Cross you know Death Wizard and um, people start tagging us and Cross Hemi and Cross and they're like this song would be perfect for Killer Cross and then like Impact put them on put them on and I remember Kevin sending me an email the next day and he's like send me that song again send me that send me that song you sent me last time send me that album again wow like the next day. So he gets back to me, he picks out a song, and then we're off to the races. We did a song for Rebellion 2019, and then we did a song for Bound for Glory 2019, which to me was a huge deal because it was in Chicago. We got invited to play the the All Glory pre-show party. We did that. Uh, we were, I mean, I'm watching Impact on TV, and like our song plays. You know, our, we're, our, we're in the lower third, and I'm like, man, this is what 2002 or three me wanted. This was it. And I got it, and it was such a very cool thing. So they obviously get in, and then I remember them telling me they're like, "You're part of the family now." Wow. Like they invite, I'm invited to all the shows. You know, I'm so grateful to them. They they say you're part of the family. You you you've done stuff for us, and I know a lot of the guys, and I've got to meet and become friends with so many of them, and they're so kind. It's an amazing management team and group of, and group of wrestlers there. Uh, so they're so good to me, and then I'll start doing the podcast then, you know, for Impact, and I which I got invited to do and. That's another. That's a whole other chapter, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but yeah, that's how the impact stuff went, and I love it. I still, I, I still try. I still keep in touch, and then they ever need music, things like that. You know, we collaborate, a lot, you know, here and there, and as as the need comes up, and I'd love to produce for a segment or two for them at some point. We'll see what happens. I think it's so cool when it comes to impact wrestling because what you think about it, 
you know, they came, they hit the scene, and, you know, right after WCW went down, and their roster was ridiculous. I mean, I remember people saying Crazy. that might have been one of the most stacked rosters in any company's history. I mean, with the Samoa Joes, the AJ Styles, the Motor City Machine Guns, um, America's Most Wanted. I mean, the X Division was ridiculous. I remember Unreal. The, the X Division was more popular than the world champion because it was just so much athleticism and passion in people who wanted it for the sake of wanting it. You know what I mean? It's it was so interesting. Yeah. It was for the love of doing it. And then, you know, it goes through the Jarrett's and then obviously Dixie Carter and then uh, with Anthem. And then obviously now you have Scott Demore who I've heard nothing but good things about when it comes to Scott yeah. Moore, and Don Callis, who's also former EC Dub guy as well. So mm-hmm. it's just really, really cool to see these guys really investing themselves in, in putting so much time and passion into Impact, and it's such a quality product. As Great. a fan, let me ask you this, not obviously being on the inside, but being a fan of Impact, isn't it awesome to know that there were so many years that, you know, it was is the company going to make it? Is the company going to make it? Are they going to fold? Is it bankruptcy? And then they had the rumors of, is WWE going to buy them? Um, Yeah. Because I think there was a collaboration at one point where, was it some AJ Styles stuff or whatever started to pop up on the network? AJ, even some Joe stuff, I think, maybe. But yeah, some AJ stuff started popping up, which is crazy, yeah. Yeah, and now, obviously, they've got the the great inner workings of the team that is putting this thing really, really on the forefront – do you feel like, in your opinion, that Impact Wrestling, when we talk about you know nowadays AEW and WWE, they don't get thrown enough into the conversation? I personally feel like it should be brought into the conversation a lot more. I think so. One, it sucks because that they don't get mentioned as much because they have a very solid network they're on now. They have an amazing social media presence. They have quality roster management. You name it. Um, I think everyone is in still like a honeymoon phase with an AEW right now. Uh, and I think that's kind of dominating some of the other talk. People love to dog WWE, uh, kind of the vocal, the vocal majority, I guess, like the dog WWE. They're still honeymooning with AEW. Impact is still, Impact has fallen into like the cult, the cult, um, category, but they're like an ECW in that sense. They're like in that cult love category. And, um, it's an amazing. I mean, they have an amazing presence, and one thing people don't realize is their their international presence is gigantic. And but they have it's just it's more so just a matter of I've always likened it to like in Chicago we have two baseball teams, the Cubs and the Sox. Sox are on the south side, which is a rougher area. You got to make an effort to go there. The Cubs are on the north side, where it's a beautiful area full of bars, lively, safe, happy go lucky. Um, it's easier to go there. It's easier. You don't have to think too much. You can get off the train, hang out, you're having a good time. You don't have to think too much about it. To go to a White Sox game, you have to think about it. <laughs> you know, you have to make more of an effort to go to it. And I think you know, when, when something's on a TNT or USA, it's an easier channel. Everybody has those channels. Right. Maybe not everybody has access. Yeah, they're on Twitch too, but again, it takes a little more effort to go log into your Twitch and make a Twitch account and watch it on there. And I'm not gonna say that's the only reason, but there is, it's, it's you have to make more of an effort to get this product. And I think you know some people are just like they don't they don't want to go through the work. And I see I see it in baseball. The White Sox draw less than the Cubs. Right. 
They've been they were a better team for years, but they always drew less because it was you can't think. Ah, I don't want to go all the way to the south side. I don't want to go do all that work to get there. It's like a lot of people wouldn't. It's a better ballpark. It's a better um, team. It's a more fun experience at the game. But eh, <laughs> I don't want to make the effort. You have to make an effort to go out of your way to do certain things. And I think um, I think at, at this stage, you know, you, it, right now, it, it, I, I think more people are starting to see some of the cracks in the other two that maybe that's that's turning them away, and they're starting to come over to Impact. Like I barely hear people dogging Impact anymore. At one time, it was like getting dogged a lot, and now you don't hear the bad press. No, you don't. You see a lot more of their numbers going up. You see more. They were trending. Top ten trending on Twitter for the last month, and that hasn't happened in a while. In the top ten, they even cracked the top five on one, one week. And I'm like, not United States trends. Like, I was like, wow, what an amazing growth! Like, people are starting to see, like, you know what? This is a good fucking product, and it's the fans like me who have been there since day one knew it. We're the ones who had kept it solid, but these other ones who had were like, eh, I, didn't, I didn't watch it. It's like now you're starting to see they did have two million viewers on Spike TV. There was a reason. Not, it wasn't just because they had Sting and Joe and AJ and whatnot. They had they were, Joe and AJ were young guys at the time. Like they have the Sammy Callahans now, you know. They have the Michael Elgins, the Moose, Tessa Blanchards. That's what they have now. That's your crop, and you you pepper in some of the older guys to get the to get the eyes. But like people are starting to come and say, "Wow, this is a damn good product." And the, the proof's in the pudding. The numbers, their numbers keep going up, and you could see, and that's the proof. I think it's interesting because so many people have wanted to give so much praise, and I'm not saying they shouldn't, to the WWE as far as like women's wrestling, right? But we need oh, to yeah. we need to really if you really want to talk about women's wrestling, it's not just the Mae Young Classic. Impact Wrestling was doing women's wrestling, awesome women's wrestling, way before, and I mean years before. Way before they and, were the first ones to do it. And I'm I'm like I mean with the awesome Kongs and you had the ODBs and you had. Um, Gail Kim. Kim, and it's just like they were doing awesome matches way before. I mean, years before. And I feel like that's where this the WWE, because of its of its prominence, gets put on a higher level for the simple fact that they are a much more known commodity. And when they yeah. do something, whatever they do is looked upon as, oh my God, we are groundbreaking. However, yeah. that's not necessarily the truth. But once again, it's all how they want to paint it. Because they're they're able to. They have the power to paint it. They can. I mean, they're they're the biggest dog in the yard. Doesn't mean they're the best, but they are the biggest, and they have the biggest reach and the biggest roots in the industry. I mean, they. What happens to the WWE trickles down to the industry. I mean, it's true because, it, and you know, WWE was a different category because obviously people got sick of WWE, and so obviously WWE capitalized and became a huge me- just a monolith at the time, but. Um, what the WWE does trickles down. If the WWE is not doing good, the rest of the industry is going to feel it too. And there's not enough fans to make a wave on the other side nowadays. And, and that's not the dog AEW, but I look at like their ratings are half of where they were when they first started. And it's like it shows you that the sustainability of that fan base is extremely thin. Right. The WWE is drawing 1.9. I never thought I'd see the day that it drew up under two again, 2.0. It's like, that's mind-boggling. I think they had a 1.7 this past Monday. It was crazy. Mind-blowing. And I'm like, that's crazy. The things that, that tells me that there's not even enough wrestling fans out there anymore 
to sustain that kind of fluctuation. So if you're putting on a product, you have to hit it out of the park. And I think Impact is very focused on putting on the best every week because they're like every week is an opportunity to bring more people to view this one. Because it's, again, it takes a little more work to go find Impact. AEW's it's on it's on Wednesday on TNT. Everybody's got TNT. I don't think about it. It's channel 13. Boom, it's right there. It's in the top 20 of my channel numbers. You know, USA is channel 10. Like it, it's in the top 10. It's like you don't have to flip too much to get to it. Impact, you gotta make an effort. I don't, access is like 200 something. You know, so it's like I gotta look for it. And, and that might seem small, but that it psychologically a lot of people look that way. Do you think, and and you know, obviously Access is a great channel and have been a great partner to Impact Wrestling. But do you think that given an opportunity to get on another network that might be with Basic Cable, Impact would definitely jump with that, or do you think they would say, you know what, you guys have been loyal to us, we're going to stay where we're at, or do you think at the end of the day, like you mentioned with being an independent um, music group, I, I have to, I have to take that next step up. It's interesting with that because they're owned by the same company who owns Access. So the parent company owns Access. So it's kind of like, I know I'm safe here. I know people will take care of us. And Access has done really well for them because of that. They've got a lot of freedom, flexibility, more programming. I think Impact is going to build Access like Access is going to build Impact. They're going to kind of help the brands grow together. I mean, they were on Spike. Let's not forget, they were drawing over two point. They were drawing two point two million on Spike. They were there. They they had those numbers. Let's we can't deny that. Um, if the opportunity came up again, it doesn't necessarily mean more. Of course, I mean, if it, if it's like oh, WGN wants to put them on, I mean, yeah, like everybody in the world is WGN. It'd be, and I I can't say speak for their business, but I'm thinking from the leveling up standpoint, I'm sure they'd consider it. I don't know, but I but I think. There's a part of it where, like, they've done a really good job building this family with, with access now. It's like, it's better. It, it's kind of, like, I look at it like this, too. Wrestling, historically, this isn't going to talk about enough. Wrestling, and Ted Turner actually kind of mentioned this, too. Wrestling builds networks. And what I mean by that is, if you look back, Ted Turner always said that wrestling is what put TBS on the map. Because it was it was sustained programming. Fresh TV every week. I can guarantee a million viewers every week, whatever it might be. I know that one million people will tune into TBS every week. And then, the, yeah, let's say even a quarter of those stay on TBS and they watch the, the movie or they watch Mama's Family or whatever the hell was at the time. Right. You know? And it's like, it builds TBS. He, Ted Turner said he, he said wrestling helped build my station. I look at even USA and WWE. Dude, nobody gave a shit to USA. No. They were they were like late night like low um they were late night like um softcore porn movies silk stockings come silk on silk stockings let's I mean be which was, you know yes. when I was eleven it was high you know? so not, <laughs> let's not let's not deny this but uh, you know Red Shoe Diaries the edited yes. version like come on it break like I'm I'm in La yeah. Femme Nikita forget about it you know like but USA became a monster because WWE yes. built that monster with alongside them every week in the heyday seven million people watching isn't that and even if a, it's crazy e, tnt tnt was a powerhouse to begin with the wcw made tnt a super powerhouse right you know same thing like and look and like, look at impact even on the small stations they were on when they went to pop t pop tv i didn't know what the fuck pop tv was but 
you think it's I don't think it's it's a coincidence that they go to pop they had they were getting like three hundred thousand on pop they were still maintaining like three hundred thousand on pop to to like three or four hundred thousand on pop and pop had Shit's Creek which goddamn Emmy award winning show mm-hmm. nobody knew where the fuck pop TV was and they were piloting Shit's Creek during while Impact was building pop, pop in the early stages of pop TV now people know what pop TV is Destination America which was a was a unknown channel for hunting and shit like that yep. i never heard of destination america impact goes there they were made they were maintaining a couple hundred thousand destination america and they built that one you know they built that too it's like now destination america and i'm not gonna say they're solely responsible but i cannot take away from the fact that wrestling brings attention to it when half a million people tune into a station i've never heard of that's a half a million more viewers that now know that pop tv or destination america exists, exists. yep you know even Pursuit, it was the worst channel they could have ever gone to. Pursuit, the Pursuit years were the saddest half a year wherever they were on on Pursuit. It was it's a terrible station, but I know Pursuit. Now I know that Pursuit is a hunting channel that <laughs> that features shows like Boom 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 Boom, and it's owned by so and so. I never knew what the fuck Pursuit was, but what I'm saying is wrestling builds. It takes a built-in audience, and it says here, here's the channel. Go watch it here, and they might have something else you like too. Like I said, even if. Even out of pursuit, the fifty thousand they drew on pursuit, even if ten thousand of those were like, oh, I'm a hunting fan too. I guess I'll stay tuned after Impact goes off the air. That's ten thousand more eyes who are gonna tell ten thousand more eyes and say, Hey, there's a hunting channel. You know about pursuit? I never knew about that. I was watching wrestling on there. Boom, boom, boom. It, it, historically, wrestling has built stations, and I think that's what they're trying to do with Axis. I think they want to form a true partnership and say, let's help each other. Axis is known for music. And being this amazing music channel, it's like, let's make it an all-in, like, entertainment channel. So Access is branching into Access TV fights, Access TV wrestling, Access TV MMA, you know, boxing. Boom, 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 boom. I, I, it's fascinating to me. It's interesting to know how the business structure of it works, too. You know what I mean? Like you said before, a product, you know, can make a network. And then, obviously, once you have that embedded audience there – they start mm-hmm. telling people. They start telling people. All of a sudden, you start to see this exponential growth, and therefore, the channel itself can then start branching out and doing more stuff, which then brings yeah. in people from other genres, like you said, MMA and boxing and whatnot. So I think, in my opinion, it's a good place for them right now because I think they allow them to be themselves. Absolutely. They take the handcuffs off, but I think they trust each other as well. And I think that's a huge thing. Once again, we talked about trust earlier. That is the bread and butter, really, of anything, of any relationship or any type of business dealing, is if you trust people you work with. Um, You have to. I want to get into the podcast here as well. But I also want to get into – I am so intrigued right now with Slammiversary, like the commercials that I am seeing right now. Oh, man. How they are playing off of the – Everybody got fired from WWE, and then they start showing these little clips of different people. It literally is the greatest teaser I think I've ever seen because it's like – not that the roster itself isn't awesome. They are. But it's just what could happen? I mean this could be the next level up with them with, with you know working in new personalities and new characters. What do you think, without obviously spoiling anything for us, but what do you think about this year's Slammiversary? I think this could be one of the biggest that the company has ever seen. I agree, and I that teaser literally set the internet on fire the other day, on Tuesday, because um, they 
if anybody didn't see it, go to their go to Impact Wrestling's social media and just watch it. They did this very ominous thing where a hooded character there were little clues in there too. He just poured himself a glass of whiskey, sits down, he's holding the whiskey glass, you see a little tattoo. I'm like, huh, Eric Young has a tattoo right there. But he has it on the other hand. Interesting. He's wearing a cloak or like a hooded sweatshirt, which EC three's been wearing a lot of. Hmm. But you're seeing from the back. You see they they show he's watching the news about releases going on in, in the professional wrestling industry, an actual newscast. Mm-hmm. And then they do like a mo- montage of all these guys who just left WWE that used to be an impact at one time, with the exception of Rusev. They didn't show Rusev, but they showed the Bulgarian flag. Yes. You know, um, all these little clues, and it's like, holy shit. Spud being one of them, which I, he's, he just re-signed yesterday to NXT. He but did. yes. Uh, which I guess ended up being a, one big work. But they still threw that teaser in there. So it's like, you you just displayed eight guys. It's like Mike Bennett, Maria, EC3, Eric Young, Rusev, Machine Gun Anderson, Luke Gallows. And it's like, holy shit. I don't think all of them are going to show up. But if even one of them shows up, the fan in us is going to be like, holy shit. And then they'll, they kick you with a second one, then it's like, Slammiversary's on fire. If yes. two of them show up, you're on fire. Yes. I agree. I agree completely. It was done so well. Um, I do the podcast, Total Nonstop Impact, and we were doing a watch-along on Twitch. And one of the producers is a friend of mine, and he said at Impact, and he's like, watch past like the, the graphic card at the end. Don't tune off. When the show ends, just keep watching. I said, what do you mean? Just, like, just don't turn it off when the show's over. That's when the, tra- the trailer started. And I was like, I remember I was watching, like, I have my TV's here, and I'm, I do the, the watch-along camera here, and I'm like, TV's on an angle, and I'm just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I love about Impact. Like, I don't want to be so behind the scenes, because I still want to enjoy it as a fan. I love that I still get, that's the one company I can still be like, I can still be a fan of this. And I'm like, what? No way. <laughs> so it was really cool. Yeah, that's wow. pretty cool. Yeah, so I, like, I think it's going to be a great show. And, and yes. at the end of the day, I mean, with Tessa Blanchard, with Jordan Grace, with Willie Mack, with the North, I mean, and, and the list goes on and on about everybody who busts their ass. Um, one thing I wanted to mention before is I saw that um, AC Romero was kind of mentioning that he's going to be making some health changes. And I think that's yeah. awesome. Good for him as well. I think that's, that's real. I think he's an amazing talent. And he's a, yeah, he's great. Wow. Um, I actually got to know Falaba uh, originally. Dude, he's looking even more Jack than before. Like I'm like, he's, he, this great, isn't he? Great. He isn't he the biggest like sweetheart though? Oh my like, god! How nice is Fala? Probably one of the <laughs> nicest human beings. And I know that phrase gets used a lot, but like, just genuinely happy and just generally excited to be doing something he loves to do. So. Oh. We had a great heart to heart in, in South Bend, Indiana, uh, at the um, not at the Prelude to Glory show before, like Bonhiller weekend, and we were just talking about like both from like Asian backgrounds. Like he's he's Filipino, I'm Pakistani background. We we're talking about like the Asian subcontinent mindset of like family, and we just sat there talking like, but yeah, it's like that's how it, and like how a lot of people just don't get it, how like just Asian backgrounds like have this like weird thing with parents. And we we're just, I remember having this amazing heart-to-heart. I'm like, this guy is the coolest dude. Like, he gets it. <laughs> you know, he just totally gets it. So he's, he's a nice guy, man. He's such a sweetheart. Like, I tell everybody, if you can ever meet Falaba, like, get get a photo with him, talk to him. He's, he's a total nice guy. So Slammiversary is going to be a big, big thing here. Let me let me ask you this. I mean, this is something that's kind of groundbreaking with Impact as well. Tessa Blanchard, obviously, the, the program she worked with Sammy Callahan, which yeah. was so well done, um, her being – 
you know, the first female world champion. What do you think as far as that changing the narrative as far as wrestling is concerned with having a woman being the world heavyweight champion? Because I think that much like intergender wrestling, I think this kind of goes hand in hand with that, basically saying a competitor is a competitor is a competitor. And if you can go, go for it. I agree. My, my, my main fear with that was I was like, who beats her? Right. Who beats her and doesn't get labeled? Oh, you just beat a girl. Right. That's my thing. I'm like, does Michael Elgin beat her? And it's like, of course you beat her twice her size. Oh, you know, he beat a girl to get the belt. And I was like, who beats Tessa if she gets this title? Because she's amazing. Like she's like, I'm not taking anything away from her, but I, my thing is, I'm also looking out from a perception point, and we all know it's worked, right? Obviously, but as my producer mind goes, from a psychological standpoint, if Michael Elgin or Moose beat her, do people just think, eh, he had to, he beat a girl? He beat the smaller girl. You know, like there are going to be the ignorant fans who look at it like that. And they're like, right. eh, it's, it's, shit. What? it's not a real title reign. Beat her. There are going to be people who subconsciously or consciously think of it that way. And I'm like, how do you do it right? And I think they're doing, they're onto something. I don't know what they're doing. But because she's stuck in Mexico because of the COVID lockdown, um, you know, they, they've done this story on with Moose, you know, bringing the TNA belt out and everything. So I think they're on something interesting there. Not sure where they're going to go. They're setting up a contender for her. Like Ace Austin's a number one contender now for her title. It's like, okay, cool. Because they fought before and they've had, she's held her own. She beat him before. You know, her and Sammy had a series of three matches before she, um, before she beat him for the title. Um, so there was always like, there's a built in psychology because her and Sammy are also similar size, similar height. You know, it's like psychologically. Sammy beating her back, for example, would not get labeled. Oh, you just beat a girl, and and then I'm I'm talking purely from like if my dad was watching, mm-hmm. if my dad's watching and he sees Michael Elgin beat her, he'd be like, what the hell, of course he, but he's twice her size. What the hell are you talking about? But if my dad, who doesn't like, doesn't care, he's looking at purely from what he's seeing, sees a guy like Sammy Callahan beat her, he'd be like, okay, cool, make I get it. He's, you know, she's tougher than him. She's a tough chick. You know, she beat him up. He's he's you know he's only her height or whatever it is. So you have, to, you have to factor those things in. But that said, she's an incredible athlete. She can hold her own. And obviously, it is a show. We have to consider that, too. It is a show. So the art's in the execution. The art truly is in anybody can beat anybody. How do you pull it off to make it look right? Right. That's where it comes down to. I mean, yeah, Michael Elgin can beat her. That's fine. Um, and you might you will still have the ignorance of people going, eh, bullshit. But the art is... How do you make it look cool where even that guy goes, wow, that's fucking cool. I agree. You know, that's where it comes in. That's where the, the, the creative department comes in. It's like, let's make it undeniable, like no pun intended, like, or, or nickname and all. Make it undeniable that even the fucking most ignorant guy in the room goes, damn, you know, that was fucking, it's fucking weird that Michael Elgin beat her, but holy shit, that was awesome. You know, like you got to convince that guy, you know, to get to change his mind. That's the one you got to convince. The wrestling fans are already sold. You convince the ignorant guy who's not sold, and that's the one how that's how you know you got him. Well, isn't there also a phrase that um, if you're a heel, but all of a sudden you get cheered, that's like the ultimate right there because it shows that you've gotten over to the fact that you're supposed to be getting booed, but yet now you're obviously over with everyone else. You're looked at almost as the the baby face in some way when you're able to find that fine line between. Okay, this is what I'm supposed to be portraying, but yet this is what the fan reaction is. 
that's that happy sweet medium and i think if you're able to do it right with her and find somebody to to pull off that match it's that's that's what you shoot for you shoot for yeah. something that's that magic that you don't always capture with everybody absolutely absolutely it's and there's you know it's hard to be a heel or a face nowadays everybody cheers everybody they like work great so they just cheer who's who's good but uh but um no, I mean they, they. She's so damn good at what she does, you know. And and I think people loved her character, whether she's a heel or face. They loved her, you know. She was great because she's just good at what she does. Uh, and that is a that is a great testament to your work. If you're like you can get people to just convert, and then they let the people turn you babyface or let the people turn you heel. That to me is the that's the art, man. If you can get people to hate you enough that you go from a babyface to a heel. Or vice versa. That's where I think it's awesome. Because people are like, God damn, this guy's too good. I can't boom. So just to kind of keep everybody up to date here with the timeline. So the music, you know, going through high school, ECW, obviously being a fan, doing the band thing, obviously getting associated with AAW, really kind of paying your dues, working your way up, being in the inner circle with that. Then obviously we, we've learned about your connections with Impact Wrestling, which then kind of starts bleeding itself back and forth. Now we're moving back music into Impact Wrestling. So now mm-hmm. it's like all these worlds are somehow, they're, they're connected. There's like a tunnel between each one of them. Um, a podcast. So yeah. you, you got, you've already got all this stuff on your plate. You've already got all these other commitments that you're doing. A podcast. Tell me about how the podcast came about. Tell me about how it all got set up and where we are today i met this guy in florida at the impact zone called the chef anybody knows anybody's a florida orlando wrestling fan you know chef and uh chef's awesome he's a mainstay he's like hey i do this podcast with this guy kyle out of long island we do an impact podcast it was kind of haphazard a little over the place they wanted me to be a guest on and talk and stuff so i just guessed it on with them well i love chef but kyle and i hit it off like big time and he hits me up, and he's like, hey, look, it's a little inconsistent. We're not too professional um, going the way we are. I'd like to turn this more into, like, a radio show, like a morning zoo-type radio show. Kyle's a Long Island kid. He's, like, he's Howard Sternmark, you know. He grew up on that. Um, 105.9 The Bone. Like, he listened to all that stuff. Drew Garabo. Like, he's a, he's a big, you know, Tom Likas guy. Like, we listen to all that. Opie and Anthony. Like, he's like, I want an Opie and Anthony type of show. Uh, so we started doing a show together. He's like, you know, do this impact show with me. I'm going to kind of like zone chef out. Um, do the show with me. Did it. Started, I'd never done a podcast in my life. I just knew how to talk, I guess. I, you know, I'm a talker. So I just did it. Started really branching. And we started getting some momentum. And we um, there was a channel called the Impact Lounge, which is what was like the first impact, pro-impact, like YouTube channel, news podcast things like that kyle knew the the guy who ran that they started a pod together years back and so we started getting some momentum and we're like hey what if we join the impact lounge because he's got a built-in audience several thousand subscribers let's jump on the lounge so we jumped on the impact lounge started doing a weekly review of impact of the impact show just pre-taped weekly review and uh getting got momentum started building momentum got to a point where like you know let's we should take this off to ours. We should branch out. Kind of what Opie and Anthony did with Howard Stern. If anybody knows radio, they they went on their own at one some point. You got to brand, you got to test your own waters. So 
So we took the show and went to our own channel. And obviously we're starting over, and we went from 5,000 subscribers to none. Uh, but we're building it up. Yeah, we just, this just happened like a couple months ago. And But we turned it up a notch. We we took the show. We had a built-in audience come with us. We started quadcasting live after Impact goes off the air. We said, let's just – we'll quadcast. We broadcast to Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube at the same time. Wow. Four, four platforms right as Impact goes off the air. And we started building more of an audience to the point where I remember going to our Impact shows and the guys are like, I love the show. We love the show. And, like, the guys are listening to the show. And then we found the crew listens to the show. And then we find out, we hear little things happening in the show that we've said on, on our show. And we're like, this is funny. Uh, and then we get the credibility with the management there. And they, they gave us some guests. Like, we've had, you know, Michael Elgin on. We've had uh, Ace Austin's coming on soon. Rohit's been on. Um, Gosh, Johnny, Johnny Bravo, like we started getting all the guests on, you know, we're, we were friendly, like Taya Valkyries, they've done drops for us, Taya and the Rascals and all these guys have just done drops for us, Josh Alexander, I remember being at an indie show and, and Ethan Page is like, I love what you guys do, thank you for doing what you do, it's awesome, wow. you know, and I knew, I knew Page from AAW before when he wrestled there, but he's like, I love the show, like they, they, they endorse us, they put us over, it's like, it's, there's no better feeling than the, than the um, roster liking what you do. And obviously, there's a little building credibility. A lot of the guys know me from AAW. They know I'm not just some hack. It's somebody they can trust. They know I'm not going to bury the product. And the company hears us not burying the product. We're a, we're a morning zoo. We have sound bites and drops and goofy visuals. We have live chat going on. We take calls. It's I mean, it's a radio morning zoo. That's awesome. For Impact Wrestling. Yeah, and it's, it's a blast. And... Uh, so we're building up our own YouTube channel. Our listenership is wild. Like it, it grows every day. We start branching into new shows. We do the Total Nonstop Impact Weekly Show. We do TNI Throwback every Monday. We do the NWA TNA shows, one at one in order. Which Jerry is all over, by the way. So I got you got You have to arrange Jerry to be a guest on that for me at some point. I got to start booking. This. <laughs> I got to start getting better at being a booker. You should take take that five percent off the top, man. <laughs> but uh. We started doing the Impact Plus Weekly on weekends, a weekend check-in show. We, we got two guys in the U.K. now who do shows for us. Uh, so we're branching out to the U.K. more. Like, just started – total nonstop impact is becoming its own little monster of, like, podcast platforms of just covering different stuff of Impact Wrestling. And, and, and I'm just so proud of it, and I'm so proud of our reach, and I'm so proud of the roster and the management, you know, endorsing us like that. And I, I'm obviously – the goal is to get the official endorsement. You know, the goal is to always have the company say, okay, become our official show. We'll put you on Twitch, whatever they want to do. I would love to be the official podcast because Impact has never had a consistent podcast. They've tried four times. But, you know, Jeremy Borash got busy. You know, Garrett got busy. All the other guys in there, they just got busy. You can't maintain a weekly show, which I said, hey, we're, we're doing three a week. We'll do it. Just give us the platform to do it endorse it make it stamp it your official show we'll do it so we'll see what happens in the future but in the meantime it's nice to know that they, that they listen and they like what we do oh heck yeah i mean i think it's a true yeah. testament of you know your professionalism and your dedication to the product and yeah like i said before doing three different shows uh, that's a lot i don't think a lot of people you're truly... doing that now though you're doing yeah. all that now too <laughs> oh my god it, it's 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 a lot but i think you guys have a lot more you guys have a lot more bells and whistles and production value added into yours. Me, I have to edit out the edit out the Jerry eating uh, 
uh, nuts <laughs> and uh, squashing water bottles. Uh, he's got this thing when he gets done drinking a 20-ounce water bottle, he, he crushes it. And every time. Every goddamn time. And I go, I text him when we're recording. I said, Jerry, seriously, just put the water bottle down for God's sakes. Crush it when we're done. <laughs> and then Mikey tripping over dog bowls and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you're dedicated. And you're dedicated to your music. You're dedicated to AAW. You're dedicated to your podcasts and everything that you do. And it's so awesome to be able to to, to highlight someone like you Thank who you so much. really has gotten in from the ground floor and ingratiated themselves in the company from hanging posters to basically saying, hey, what else can I do to help out? And if anybody hears this, and here's Trent's story, if you really want to do something, and it doesn't matter what it is in life, if you show the passion for it and you're willing to help out in any way, shape, or form – um, and you're able to do it and do it with a smile. And like he said before, be a good dude. You're going to make it. Like That's it. You're going to make it because this world needs people who have passion and who have work ethic. My dad said, he goes, I don't care what someone's grade point average is. I don't care how many degrees they hang on the wall. I don't care about any of that. He says, I want somebody who's got a good attitude. He says, if I have that and you know we can work on a work ethic he goes that's everything absolutely so i'm sure you've had people who'd said well how do you get into wrestling or how do you get into doing this at the end of the day make a phone call and just say hey how can i help out how can i volunteer and it all starts right there you got to start you got to start somewhere you and do. i tell people don't don't I, I was talking to a guy today he wants to get in through music and he's like how, how can i get into do music for wwe it's like you know maybe start at your local indie first Yes, because you you have to you have to start at the ground floor. You can't just jump into WWE. You have to start and say, "Hey, listen, learn the business first. Learn what what happens in the business. You have to know how it works before you can jump in." Uh, so, I just my biggest thing for any art, like you you've seen, I've started painting now. So you've seen it on Facebook. And I stuff. have. Uh, my any gosh. Art, I'm waiting, for, I'm waiting for the Trent Zaberry baking channel to come on now. What I know. Have, what I, have you I, not done? I'm, you have literally done everything. Quarantine's been. I've made the best. I've you know I've merchandised all my stuff. Like you know the pods all have T-shirts now, and the more T-shirts of the band. Like I've done all sorts of stuff anyway. But I've taken advantage of quarantine. Cooking being one of them. But uh, I just say with any art, just do it. Just don't think about it. I see so many artists, creative people who. They outthink themselves. Yes. And it's like, eh, I'm not going to be good at it. So you don't try. Nobody's good at it. Nobody's good at anything at the beginning. We all suck. We all make mistakes. You fuck up a lot. But just try it. You might you might get it on the second try. You might get it on the first try. You might hit the home run. You might, get, you might hit a home run on your 10th try. But just try it. There's no hesitation to try. And I know so many people, Mike, who just like – they don't even try because they, they just doubt themselves. Like, what are you doubting? Who gave you reason to doubt yourself other than you? Just try it. I didn't know the first thing about podcasting. I'm like, I, now I do three, I do four shows a week. Yep. You know? And it's like, it's all, it's great. Find inspirations, you know, latch on to somebody. You can tweet me, Trent Zuberi, uh, on, on at Trent Zuberi, T-R-E-N-T-Z-U-B-R-I. Tweet me. You want someone to motivate you or give you a tip? I'll do it. Find somebody. I find people who in your industry who you want to be um, like or, 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 or be inspired by. Take a chance. 
You know, I my podcast, I listen to Vince Russo's podcast, who you had on. Russo, to me, is an amazing podcaster. Yeah. I study his podcast. He's so good. And I'm like, forget the wrestling stuff. Forget what you think about his wrestling. The guy is a fantastic podcaster. And I'm like, I want to be as good as he is on a podcast. He does 15 shows a week. That's insane. He's a maniac. Obviously, he's making a living on it. He's, he's behind a paywall. He makes great money doing it. But, like, that to me is like, holy shit, find someone who you can inspire by. Like, wrestling, I was like, I want to study Danny Daniels. What is? How does he come up with shit when we create stuff? You know, music, I'm like, I want to study Iron Maiden. I want to study Rush. I want to study Metallica and Megadeth and Manowar. I'm like, I want to study these guys. How do they do it? Read their biographies. Whatever you got to do, but just get into it. If you're gonna do it, just do it. But if you're if you're yeah, think about it, then don't bother doing it. You know, you're right. And a lot of people, you know, I think they they try to put this. I think they see people who are successful, and they say, "Oh, I want to I want to do what they did." And the one thing that I would say to that, and this is just based upon my experiences, and you may agree or not with this, don't necessarily try to be them. Be you. Use the formula they used. But be yourself because if people feel like you're trying to emulate someone else too much, they're going to say, oh, well, he's just – or she's just trying to rip off of this. Um, With podcasting, obviously, I've heard this a 100,000 times, the Conrad model. And it's one of Mm -hmm. those things where that individual has been widely successful. I'm happy that he's been successful, and he's busted his ass to get successful. And a a lot of people – I think whether it be music or any business or anything, jealousy is – it permeates through. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, this person's successful because they've got this or they've got that person or they got this. Do you have any idea what it took to convince those personalities to jump on board? Do you have any idea what time and energy and effort it took to put together a show or put together a marketing campaign or to do social media and all that stuff before you even hit the record button? So I look at everybody who's successful, especially podcasting and wrestling, and I talk to them. But the one thing you need to do is you need to blaze your own trail. And like you said before with that that channel, you know what? You decided you took a, a leap and you blazed your own trail. And at the You had to. You had to because if you didn't, you would have always wondered what could have been. And you don't want to be that person that says, oh, I think I could have done that. You want to be the type of person that says – it didn't work out, but I did it, or it did work out, and damn, I'm really glad I tried because I would not have known. So you gotta. It's a cliche, right? But you gotta try it. You have to. Well, I mean, what the hell's stopping you? What the hell stops you? You know, I. It's like nothing should stop you. Really, nothing should stop you. If you want something, give it a shot. You might suck. You might fail. I remember hearing Paul Heyman say one thing. He's like, "I'm not afraid of failure. I failed a million times in my life. I'm not afraid of it, though." Because every time I fail, they learn something. Yes, you know, there's something to take away from it. You just get better. You just you just improve. But you can't let you can't psych yourself out from thinking you're not going to achieve. You're not going to you're not going to be Vince McMahon tomorrow. Correct. But you might be Vince McMahon in a month or in a year or in ten years. But you have to start at the bottom. <laughs> you have yes. to start somewhere. You won't be Conrad tomorrow. But you might st- you know, you could be. The, the kid in his basement first and see what happens. 
one big thing that I've always been a fan of, and I remember, I don't remember specifically who I was talking to, but there was a wrestling personality that uh, will remain anonymous. Uh, we'll talk about it off the air, but who said, okay. uh, you don't want to uplift somebody else's product or somebody else's podcast, or you don't want to draw attention to somebody else by retweeting or making mention to their stuff. And I got done with that conversation. I paused and I went, okay, I can see it from a standpoint of you want to push your own product. You don't want to have anybody else. You don't want to give people a reason to be diverted somewhere else. I understand that. Sure. But then there's another part of it. There's another part of this whole aspect, and I use this sometimes in tweets, that life's a team sport. At the end of the day, if you help lift other people and if you help uplift other people's shows, at the end of the day, do you have any idea how, A, good it feels, but, B, to know that you were able to maybe some of your people can jump over and watch some of their stuff or hear some of their stuff, but vice versa as well? And if you treat people the right way, it becomes success by committee. And that may be or may not be necessarily what everyone prescribes to, but I do. And there are some people that I've met that have done podcasts that are amazing. Uh, Mike Cook, uh, the Mike World Order, good dude. I love talking to him before. I got to know Matt Kuhn, and he does great stuff as well. And what a great voice on that Matt Kuhn. That oh, voice. my God. That, that's it's, a million-dollar voice. I, I might not agree with his, his philosophy on wrestling at all. But his voice is phenomenal. I was a big Matt Coon guy early on. When he got into his own thing, and he, he I, my philosophy differs from him a lot. Um, but he's also a musician, which I respect greatly. Uh, but man, his voice! What a what a radio voice! Like he that does. guy should be on radio. He like, should. I, be. He could tell me the he could tell me the weather. And it's like, damn, dude, that voice is great. <laughs> he could read me my doctor's results. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that's what I'm telling you. I, like he's got such a great radio voice. I don't care what he. I don't care. Like forget the wrestling. I don't have to right. agree with him wrestling. Man, that dude's got a great radio voice. It's, it sucks he's not doing podcasts. Yeah, no, <laughs> I agree. I agree. But yeah, I mean, there's just doing podcasts, and maybe you'll agree with me on this one, is so amazing because we reach so many people. Yeah. Like there was a guy who this a guy was in Canada, and he was taking his his father to cancer treatments. And, oh, I heard this. Yeah. yeah. yeah go ahead. Oh, oh yeah. this yeah. this got me. I mean, literally, I got emotional and I immediately walked over to my wife and I, I just handed her my phone. I was like, I, I can't reread this out loud. And uh, he was taking his father to cancer treatments. And uh, he said that he listened to us in the car and uh, it, it kind of made him smile, made them smile when they were headed there. And for that reason, for that reason only. And I talked to Mikey, if we don't sell a damn T-shirt, if we never get an advertiser anymore, if nothing, if we are able to help some people forget about real life for a few minutes and to smile and just to have some good fun, that's, that's what this is about, guys. That's it, man. I mean, that's it right there. You have to sell a single T-shirt. If you change that one person's life, it was all worth it. It was all worth it. And I believe there's a plan for everybody. I believe that we are here to better – every other people's lives in any way that we can and uh you should because yep. uh it's what being a team player is all about so I, I i had a guy one time a fan in denmark who wrote me a letter after our album in 2014 called undivided intentions and he writes me a letter and he goes um i just want to tell you a letter he a, a handwritten letter and he's like i need to tell you um and I hope this doesn't find you wrong. I 
you saved my life. And I said, well, I'm, I'm like, save your life. So I'm reading. And he says, I was going to kill myself. I was suicidal. Everything in my life was wrong. And I heard your album and I related so much to because I wrote that album in a very dark place in my in my life. And I, I was like, I was at a point where I was like, everything is wrong. So like the songs do follow a theme lyrically. And he's like, I heard your album and I heard that there's somebody who feels like I do. And I didn't do it. And I want you to know that I I feel you saved my life. I just wanted to tell you. I don't need anything. You don't have to reply. I just wanted to let you know. I told the guys, I said, guys, you could burn every guitar tomorrow. Yep. I don't care. It's worth that right there. Absolutely. I don't care. I don't have it's signed. I don't ever be anywhere. I'll sell out Rosemont Horizon. I don't care. If this man's life was saved, even in some 5% way, I don't care. That's fine. It's all worth it right there. Just similar to your your gentleman with the cancer. Um, exactly. Same thing. Like, it doesn't. This is what we're put. Uh, if our voice could be, could help another person in some way, that's all that matters. It really does. Now you mentioned the putting over other podcasts. Um, I, I I agree, and by I'll say be smart about it. You still you cannot um, extend yourself too much. You still want to, you're still marketing yourself, right? You know, at the end of the day, and obviously if you're in a competitor competitive type situation you guys are kind of in your own category you know and you're doing your own thing uh i remember what came up recently with the with total nonstop impact because there's like two other competitor podcasting impact stuff and it's like well the guys are friendly i haven't talked to my, my co-hosts are talking to their guys and i'm like do we, are, are we looking to maybe do something with them a collaboration um but he's like he's like i want to read you know put them over retweet i'm like do we want to do that though think, let's think about this right they're doing the same thing we're doing right and unless they're do unless we've agreed that we're gonna do that for each other, let's be smart about how much we put them over. Correct. Because we're we're trying to make we're trying to build we're trying to contain the audience here. Right. It's a similar product. It's a similar type layout. So obviously, let's if there's an agreement and there's a game plan, it makes sense. Uh, obviously, but but it's like you know we're we're not we're not silent. You have a very unique presentation where it's like. You got two former ECW guys who don't know the first thing about technology, <laughs> trudging their trudging their way through a podcast, and it's fucking hilarious. Right? It's fucking hilarious, and I swear to God, I wish Mikey would realize how fucking hilarious he is. <laughs> but um, it's fucking hilarious. So you guys have this like unique world. So you are in a position, which I love, because you have this position of power where you can endorse out. Because you guys are like here, it's like you can give the rub to people. Because you're in a very unique position, so it's like, like if a Conrad podcast gives the rub to somebody, it's like they're made men. Yep. You know, it's like it's like you guys have a very similar thing too. You can give the rub, because you're you're unique. Mine isn't so much unique. Of course, we're fighting other other podcasts for that listener base, but our presentation isn't like none other. We're a morning zoo. I would agree. Which is what we, which we sell it on. We're like we're going to sell it on the fact that we're basically Howard Stern, focus on impact. You know, that's what we're doing. So. It's how you do it, and you gotta be smart about it. But at the end of the day, end of the day, you, you just be good to people, man. Just yep. just be good to each other. Bill and Ted said it, man. Be excellent to each other. That's that's what got that's what saved the world at the, in the end of part, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure was be excellent to each other. That was it. That was the general message of the whole of life. <laughs> that was it. 
I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean I, I even think that that even bleeds into everything going on in society today without yes. getting on a soapbox. Guys, we have to find a way to respect each other. It is it is long overdue, long overdue, and yeah. we we have to we have to find a way. Um, there was a speech that I absolutely love. I want to say it was um, any given Sunday, and it was the speech oh, that great. Al Pacino gave in and the locker room. Yes, yeah, that oh, is yeah. so applicable to today in society. And yep. if you haven't had a chance to see, it, I'm going to see if I can retweet it. But treat people with respect. At the end of the day. Um, we're all the same. This is what my dad said. We all want to be safe. We all want to care about our family. We all want to go to work and have money. We all want to have a safe place to lay our heads at night. We are more the same than we are different. But the problem is, because we come from different areas or different genres of the world, everyone has different cultures and different families and different upbringings, right? Who Mm -hmm. the hell is to say what the hell I was taught in my house was necessarily the right thing? It was just the way that was. Yep. But it doesn't mean you have to 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 hate upon somebody else for doing things a different way. We Absolutely. have to come together. So that is my statement as far as uh, society goes. But I hope everyone who hears this enjoyed this because I immensely enjoyed this. And I hope everyone who hears this is doing well and COVID is getting its ass kicked and it's yes. going to be going away quickly and people can start coming together again and having fun and making memories and enjoying life because guys, life's so friggin' short. It's just it's it's too damn short to be yeah, it hateful. Is, man. It's there's no reason. There's no point. But uh man people are, are listening to be like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, who the fuck is this? They were on these like a two and a half hour podcast. Who, who the fuck is this? Trent Zuberry? Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> we we, li- we literally went from like metal to wrestling to all this stuff and we, we ended with you know, just this heartwarming uh, feeling. But you know what? I think it's good. It, it, you need to have that mixture of a little bit of everything. And I think hearing about your story is inspiring to people um, as far as music and in, in life. So, I, My biggest inspiration I want to give people, dude, I'm just a regular, regular dude who had a great uh, upbringing in terms of, like, encouragement. My father is, is an amazing uh, hero to have. He's, like, he's my hero forever. Um and not that you need one for this, but what I'm saying is if I can relate the, the inspiration I had was don't be scared. Don't be scared to just go for it. Try it. You know, my dad's like, I came to this country with 200 bucks in my pocket. OK. And he's like, I made it in life. I did it. You know, like and, and by all accounts, he'll and he'll never say he did enough. But if I tell you his story, that's a whole that's a that's a 10 series podcast. And it's incredible, which I plan on doing with him, by the way. But uh you don't have to hesitate. If a, if an immigrant with 200 bucks in his pocket can make it in the U.S. You have no excuse. No excuse. What I'm None. saying is like what it comes down to is just don't hesitate. I love all these industries that I'm in. I love them. And I'm not making millions of dollars doing them, but I'm in them. And I, and I get such fulfillment out of them. And I feel good at the end of the day. That's like I'm making something. Something will pop. When that guy sent me a letter that I saved his life, that's it. Music had its purpose for me. Yes. You know, if if Rohit Raju slash Hakeem Zayn's career trajectory now explodes as a result of what we did with him, Boom. the first company to take a chance on him. That's my that's that's it. That was my goal. Yep. If I if I if I have even two percent of changing that man's life because of it, that's it. You know, they, everything will have a reason. 
You know, there's people who listen to the and like you, you know, there's people who listen to the podcast where just their lives are affected by you. They, I latched on to you guys initially. I said, I feel like I'm hanging out with my three buddies every week. I love it. You know, I love that I get to hang out with Mike, Jerry, and Mikey every week. And like, I didn't know you from Adam at the time. I didn't know the hell you. I had no idea. We, you and I never talked. I knew Jerry very briefly. I didn't know Mikey at all. And now it's like I'm so honored that you guys put me over on the show. You guys tweet me. We talk all the time. I'm on the show. It's like it's all it took. We're just cool. We're just, yep. we're just cool to each other. We just got it. So that's what I'm saying. Don't ever let anything hold you back, guys. Life is there to take. Go for it. It's it's right there. It's yours. It's your path. And you carve it. I feel like we just solved the world's problems, Trent. I, I wish I, I need I need to be on a microphone in public somewhere. <laughs> I was going to say this needs to be piped out into like the streets and the world, and everyone needs to hear it. But oh, speaking of where people can hear, where can they go to find your podcasts? Uh, what days do they drop? All the platforms. Share it with right. us. Here we go. So we do three. Three shows a week. We do uh, the NWA TNA Throwback Monday nights. We do Total Nonstop Impact weekly review of the Impact program uh, live on um, Tuesday nights, 30 minutes after Impact goes off the air. And then Sunday nights, we do the Impact Plus weekly where we talk about news and uh, general stuff like that. Uh, we can be found at We Talk Impact on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or just type in Total Nonstop Impact Podcast. comes right up. Available on all major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, YouTube. It's at the Total Nonstop Impact Podcast. Find it there. Again, we're live. We're interactive. It's a it's a zoo. So you you look for the – hit the little bell. We'll tell you we're going live, and then you can join the conversation. We read comments on the air. We have, we have special guests. Impact Talent comes in. Uh, we have a blast. Myself, Kyle, J-Bone, and Alicia is our newest, um, newest member of the team. Uh, Nurse Nicole guest stars on there a lot, too. So we got a nice rotating roster of, of folks. We have a lot of amazing fans. Uh, definitely check us out, guys. I also do a little independent pod, independent wrestling one called Backstage Boys Podcast. Kind of on hold at the, at the moment because there's no independent wrestling. I do that alongside Basil, also known as BZ, who's the photographer at Impact and many other promotions in the country. Uh, probably the best wrestling photographer in the game, in my opinion. So uh, me and him do an indie wrestling one as well when there's stuff to talk about. More of a backstage eye view of the production that goes into independent wrestling. So those are the two podcasts. But definitely, guys, all major platforms, Total Nonstop Impact is on weekly. Join us. It, it's a fun group to be a part of. And as far as Hemi is concerned, before uh, before things get rocking and rolling back in Chicago, because we know they will, Concerts will be rescheduled. Things are going to be happening. So. Where can people go ahead and get your albums so they can go ahead and uh, get all geared up with Hemi? Where can they go? Where can they find your merchandise? So go to HemiMusic.com, H-E-M-I-M-U-S-I-C.com. Uh, everything's in there, links to buy, download, you name it. It's on all the major you know, streaming apps to uh, Apple Music, Spotify. Type in Hemi, you'll see me's part of the picture there's a couple different hemis as i mentioned the other <laughs> little son of a bitch comes up too but look for the one that's got the long-haired dudes and the, you know so look for the one that looks like a metal band obviously but uh hemimusic.com the links are all there uh new merchandise available at below the collar.com slash hemimusic tisha support the band we're independent artists too and we're shut down as well so any support is always welcome but check out the music the music's great I stand by it. I'm very proud of it. So uh, check it out there, and you guys, you know, hopefully you like it. And if you like it, 
Hemi Music on all social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, just type in Hemi Music, all one word, comes right up. And I really want to give you guys some credit for Fight for the Fallen, because we had talked about fight, that on fight the show. For the future. Fight, fight for, for the, the future. future, yes. I told Danny, I said, Danny, it's Fight for the Future. You didn't tell Mike? You didn't correct Mike? Oh, fight shit. For the oh, God, now I feel stupid. <laughs> how no, no, how did the campaign do? <laughs> it did good. We, we, hit, uh, we set a goal of, I think, 5K. We ended up just shy of four, four thousand dollars. Nice, and uh, which is fine because all of it's still going to go to all the boys, boys and girls in the locker room, AW locker room, who had to miss out on shows due to the COVID shutdown. So we're going to take the money, we're going to split the money, and everybody from our roster is going to get the donation money to awesome. you know PayPal over to them. And it's just something we could do to help out, and we thank the amazing AW fans who donated to it. Uh, it was really awesome that they did that. It was, uh, you know, obviously they're affected by, it, you know, like these guys, it's their source of income. So it sucks. And uh, but any little bit we can do a, a couple other promotions did something similar. So I'm glad we were all the wrestling community banded together to help the boys and girls out in the locker room. So they got a little something. It's not, you know, it's not going to pay the mortgage, but it'll be a little something to keep things going during this time. I also think it's 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 the gesture like, you know, you and I talked yeah. about before. It's the gesture that someone is thinking about you and that you are important and that we value you, and at the end of the day, this is just a small token of our appreciation. So that's what it is. Danny, Danny is the type who'll never take credit. He'll get dogged by a lot of people who, you know, who he's not booked anymore, and people get angry at him for booking decisions or not using him as much. This is a guy who doesn't get angry. He helps. Uh, he's helped more people than you can even imagine. He won't put himself over. And I'm like, I, w- I need to write your own book for you because you will never put yourself over. I mean. <laughs> the guy that does a lot, and we've always done that. Those gestures, you know, they start at the top. Mike and Danny for AW, they maintain a class, and we've maintained an integrity with the company. We don't screw anybody. No one's ever been stiffed on a pay a paycheck at AW. No one's ever been lied to in terms of like a booking or anything like that. We keep it on the up. We do right by everybody, and that's why they they trust us. They come and they trust us with their careers. And they want to come to AW. People want to come to the company. We'll take care of you. Look at the we make films on people. You know, we put we build characters. That's what we do. There's a reason 70 people on TV were regulars in our locker room, including Seth Rollins, a top guy in the business, who's Danny Stu. Danny trained Seth Rollins. You know, there's a reason he's the top guy. He comes from it, it, that home is AAW. Yes, the roots of him is AAW. So that's what that's what we do, man. I mean, that, that's we 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 run a very uh, integrity filled ship. Yeah, at AW, that's that's how we like to operate. So, anybody wants to check it out, awpro.com, awpro on on all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything. So check it out. You'll see what we do. Trent, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. This has been fun. We've gotten to know you. you a lot better, and uh, I am going to. I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to twist your arm, and I am going to bring you back. And we're going to do a front row material episode as well with you. And we're going to be able to go down the road of. Wrestling memories again with my uh, with my trio and uh, man it's it's a lot of fun so guys once again follow him on social media you can follow him at Trent Saberry follow him Hemi Music um, and, and everything else I'm gonna make sure I tweet out these links as well so you, you guys can become familiar with uh, with everything. There's a, lot. Is there is a lot. There is a lot. There is a lot. It'll it'll exceed the character profile in your uh, character uh, the character count on Twitter. Hey, hey, Twitter, hey, Twitter, I appreciate you bumping it up to 140, but uh, can we bump it up again? Because I just feel like, what was it before 140? What was it? It, well, it was, isn't it 240 now? Was is it, it 120? 
maybe it, it was one twenty now and two forty. I think. I'm such I'm, a, I'm such a gabber that I feel like I'm just always running out, and all of a sudden I see the red. And I'm like, oh shit! It'll, it'll eventually be paragraphs, you know. I think it what will. Is it now? I don't know what it is now. I think it's two forty now, but it'll eventually be full paragraphs. It's gonna be it's gonna be blog entries before you know. Like it'll be like Live Journal. Remember Live Journal? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's gonna turn into Live Journal on scrolling. You're never gonna get to like the next tweet. <laughs> Oh, man. Love it. Guys, I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of The False Finish on Friday. Like I said before, hope your Friday is going well. Please stay safe, stay healthy, take care of each other, and we will catch you next week on The False Finish. I'll see you next time. The world of NLW Radio never stops. 